Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. All right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is, uh, let's see, the 9th of March, 2015. It's about eight minutes after noon. It's Monday. If all that's true where you're at, we are, in fact, live. Go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Everything you need to know about the network is there. And, uh... You can participate in the show if you get there and hit the chat link. You'll see it. And uh, then you can uh, follow the easy instructions and uh, chat with the other folks in there or ask questions, make comments, whatever you want to do. You can also call in 855-566-3738, uh, I guess I should. I guess I should uh, mention something because I've been having to deal with it. 
so I'm going to, you know, apparently try to nip this in the bud for anybody else that may uh, have any kind of problems like this. The fact of the matter is, when you order something from AVR, we send it priority mail. And why I do that, why I do the extra cost of sending out things priority mail is for the tracking. Because I've learned the hard way that if you do not track packages, people will rip you off. Okay? They will say, oh, I didn't get it, I didn't get it. You know, the mail is either very independable when it comes to anything but priority, or people are thieves and liars. Uh, I found this out by selling a book called The Commerce Game Exposed. I used to send it out book rate, which has absolutely no tracking, and it, you know, if it doesn't get delivered, it doesn't get sent back to you. They throw it in the trash, okay? It's very cheap to send, but you don't get any of the uh, benefits from more expensive mail. And I started getting numerous, numerous letters saying, oh, I didn't get my book. Could you send me another one? At first, I'd send them straight out, and I thought, gee, now, this is happening an awful lot. The post office is generally a little better than this. I mean, I was running around a 20%. Oh, send me another book for free, would you? And you know what happened? I decided, okay, I'm going to put them in the flat rate priority envelope from now on. I'm going to charge, uh, you know, the whatever the difference is between that and the regular way. I'm raising the price of the book, and I'm sending it that way, and I'm tracking it. And you know what? Amazingly, that 20% got cut down to less than 1%. Gee, all of a sudden, everybody was getting their books. Amazing, huh? So that's why we send it out that way. Now, another thing to understand is, and this goes for any business, this isn't just the American Voice Radio Network. Anybody who does mail order, once they send it in the mail, and they can prove to you that they did, meaning, hey, here's the tracking number, here's the bill from the post office, here's the postage, here's the whole nine yards. Here's the tracking information from the post office. If for some reason, for instance, let's just say you don't pay attention to any of the tracking emails you get, Okay, and you don't pay attention to any of the notices the post office leaves on your door, and you're never available for delivery. Okay, and maybe you let your package sit there for 27 days until they finally just leave it on your porch and it gets stolen by one of your fine neighbors. Well, if that happens, that's on you. Okay, now that's an extreme situation, but. Basically, anything can happen to it. The post office could lose it. Okay? The post office could lose it. That's not my problem. I will help you try to track it down if that happens. You know, I'll give you all the information I have. I'll I'll even send an email. I'll do what I can as the person paying the postage. I'll do what I can to get the post office to do whatever they can. But uh, that's the extent of it, because once it goes in the mail, that's it. And that's how it is with everybody. Once it goes in the mail, that's it. 
You know, and you can't expect. <laughs> you know, I have actually had things sent back. Okay, from the post office, because there is no porch or door or anything to leave anything for me on. It's either I come to the post office and get it, or they send it back. And they usually send it back in two weeks. If you don't go get stuff in two weeks, they generally go. They just send it back because they figure, hey, you know what? We left you three messages in your mailbox, and you're not coming down here. So, you know, we can't pile up the post office uh, storing your stuff. So they send it back. You know. Um, so there you have it. And somebody said you could use the tracking through the USPS. They do now have first-class tracking. They didn't used to, but now you can actually track a first-class uh, uh, mail item. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, I've sent some it, – it's odd. You can take a so-called first-class right, envelope with a letter in it, which I don't know, what is the postage, 40-something cents, 50 cents, something like that, right? You can do that, and you can take a $5 and whatever priority mail flat rate envelope and put a letter in that, and you mail them off at the same time to the same place, and guess what? Priority mail will get there in two or three days. The first class letter will get there maybe, maybe in a week. Folks, first class don't mean what it used to mean. Priority is now first class. You want what you used to get at first-class mail, you have to send it priority because first-class mail now travels like bulk mail used to travel. And the post office can deny this all they want, but I've mailed out enough things to where I, I, I see what's going on. That's like going down to the, the lumber yard. And saying, hey, man, what happened to the grading system for two-by-fours? These are crap. They've got, uh, you know, they're all bent. They've got knots all in them. And you're calling this, this is standard grade? I've been buying lumber for 35 years, man. This ain't, this isn't what standard used to be. And they will swear up and down. Nothing's changed. It's all the same grading system. It's all, you know, like, yeah, okay. Like, I don't remember, right? Same thing with the post office, folks. They'll swear up and down. No, 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 first class moves just the way it always did. No, it doesn't. Priority has now taken over being what used to be first class. And, you know, from a business point of view, can you really blame them? I mean, here I go put a letter and pay $5.30 whatever cents to, to send it somewhere, or I pay 50 cents to send a letter somewhere. Gee, as a business, which one do you think I'm going to pay more attention to and try to do a better job for? You know, so that's that. You know, that's just that. But hey, these are things that go on. But you should be aware, folks, that you know you have to you have to take certain responsibility. I can't send you things and walk it into your house and put it in the shelf in your kitchen and say, okay, there you go, and I'll be back tomorrow to make sure you take it. You know, that's not how it works. You order something, you get emails, you get all kinds of stuff. You have to take at least enough responsibility to collect your package when it's delivered. Now, do I agree with the post office leaving it on a porch? Not not so much, no, but after 27 days, uh, well, they should have probably just sent it back. 
rather than leave it on a porch. But, hey, that's the post office's deal. Anyway, let's move on to some some news. You have heard about Menendez, the senator from New Jersey. He's a Democratic senator, by the way. And he is being targeted by the Justice Department. Now, wait, whoa, wait a minute. The Justice Department is run by a Democratic administration. Why exactly is Menendez being targeted by them? For corruption, no doubt. Corruption? Are you kidding me? Well, yeah. Well, I'll skip to the chase here. The reason why is because, and I, I, you know, I said this Friday, but the reason why is because he was opposing Obama's Iranian nuclear deal, where, you know, Obama basically tells Iran, sure, you can have a nuke, you can do what you want, you're our buddy. Heck, my top advisor's Iranian. I'm a Muslim. I'm, I'm good with it. Hey, I'm by the federal government, then he immediately returns your campaign contribution, said uh, NRSC spokesman Jehan Wilcox. With Senator Menendez set to be indicted for corruption, need, uh, Reed needs to abide by his own policy and dump the money he's received from his corrupt Democratic colleague. Well, now, wait a minute. You know, the the Republicans, now, do you see what's going on here, folks? The Republicans are playing this up like, ooh, you're corrupt. Now, for one, just because you're indicted of something doesn't mean you did it, okay? Oh, you've heard the old story that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich. They can indict anybody for anything, folks. This is a message to Menendez to back down. Stop going against what Obama wants. And Obama wants this Iran deal. As a matter of fact, Valerie Jarrett wants this deal worse than he does. And he does what he's told because Valerie Jarrett's been his boss since he met his wife, Michael. Yeah, because she was her boss. In a news conference on March 6th, Menendez denied wrongdoing, said he wouldn't leave office. Of course, they say that a lot, and then the next thing you know, they're out the door. Hence, the Oregon governor, who just was found to be 
well, probably far worse than Menendez. Prosecutors have been examining whether Menendez illegally promoted the business interests of a friend and campaign donor, Solomon Melgin, a Florida ophthalmologist. Well, actually, that sounds about exactly the same as Kit's robber and his little concubine up here in Salem, Oregon. That's exactly what she was doing, selling favors through the governor's office. <laughs> yeah, that's corruption. The Justice Department will probably seek charges in the few, uh, next few weeks. Uh, Menendez contributed $10,000 to Reed in 2009 through his leadership PAC, New Millennium PAC. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't donated to Reed's 2016 re-election efforts. Huh. Reed's going to run again? Wow. Reed is the most high-profile, though not the only Democrat who Republicans seek to link Menendez through campaign contributions. The group is also targeting other recipients of Menendez cash. Now, wait a minute. What What is going on here, folks? Why are other senators from other states donating money to other senators? What's going on here, man? This isn't illegal in the first place? Obviously, it's not illegal in the first place, or he wouldn't have set up a pack. Folks, this doesn't seem, this seems like a rub your back, rub my back, we'll all get each other elected kind of club. See, this is why the 17th Amendment needs to be revoked, folks, repealed. All right? The state legislatures of every state need the opportunity again to be represented in Washington, D.C., rather than the corrupt interests of corporations, which is who the Senate now represents. Where do you think Menendez is getting all this money to give to other senators to run for office? Well, maybe we should know about that, too. The group is also targeting other recipients, including Colorado Senator Michael Bennett, Pennsylvania Senate candidate Joe Sestak, and former Congressman and Representative Chris Van Hollen, who is seeking a Maryland Senate seat. Menendez, 61, served as chairman of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee during the 2010 campaign cycle and donated $389,000 through his leadership pack to Democrats that year. You know, I don't think he gets paid that much a year. Where's all his money coming from, folks? Isn't this, don't you see something wrong with this? You know? Does it, don't you see something wrong with this? That, uh, well, gee, you know, uh, Senators are donating more money than they actually make to other senators so they can, you know, be reelected. Huh? Huh. Well, anyway. Here's something. Makes it glad, you know, that we broke away from England. But don't worry, it's coming here. All right. Getting to, you know, I really hate these things. 
Now, I get this thing from uh, one of these, and it will not let you go. Wow. Anyway, Whew. that's protecting me, see? It's protecting me, telling me, hey, you know, this site, this site, this site, whatever. Anyway, the Daily Mail, right? Sure. Somebody doesn't want, you know, you reading something. Put these things going, be scared, be very scared. We have an actual stream, okay? If you try to open it up in your, uh, you know, your regular, you use your default player rather than the player on the uh, deal or take the address and just put it in your player. If you try to click straight through, a, a screen comes saying, there's malware on here, blah, 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 blah. Well, it's a stream, folks. That's BS. Anyway... Here we go. Put closed-circuit TV in every home. Yeah. Householders should help us trap burglars, says Scott Young, Yard Chief. Wow. Wow. They should t- install their own cameras, and we don't even want to, we don't want to pay for it, but they should do this for us. Owners should consider fitting... Closed circuit TVs to trap burglars. Yes, to trap them. They're not trapped. They're still going to steal all your stuff. Maybe they'll get caught. What you need is a gun, but of course, Scotland Yard doesn't want you to have a gun. Sir Bernard Hogan Howe said police forces needed more crime scene footage to match against their 12 million images of suspects and offenders. And he called and businesses to install cameras at eye level to exploit advantages in facial recognition technology. Yes, that's what you should do. But privacy campaigners condemned the, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner's suggestion. Wow. The proposals on increasing the amount of privately owned CCTV cameras are quite frankly Orwellian and risk turning members of the public into an extension of the police. Private CCTV is completely unregulated, recommending greater use of CCTV to gather more images of people's faces, often innocent people's faces, undermines the security of each and every one of us. Well, yeah, not only that. Now, I don't know if they mention this somewhere along the line in this, but I'm going to read this whole thing about putting cameras in your house. I mean, how this isn't that complicated. you got to be kidding me. The thing is, any of these cameras can be tapped into. Okay? If you, you know, and you know how people are. See, I doubt they mention it here because every one of these pictures of closed-circuit TV... Yeah, every one of them has wires coming out of it. But you see, most people don't do that. These are the high-dollar outside, you know, cameras at places that they got, you know, 50 cameras like a Walmart does, right? Most people who buy cameras for their house, what do they do? Wireless, that's right, wireless, and guess what? Any wireless device can easily be hacked. That's right. I mean, if you have a closed 
wireless system, meaning you have a separate device that is not connected to the Internet that only, you know, transmits and receives from you, then then they'd have to come by where you are within range to actually, you know, intercept your transmission. But again, that's not what most people buy. Most people buy these cameras that, whoa, hey, look at that. I can hook this up, and I can, uh, you know, I can check it from anywhere. I mean, it's very handy. You know, you can put a camera out and say, okay, uh, I'm going to hook this up, and now when I'm downtown, I can go on my handy-dandy smartphone, and I can just uh, put in this app or whatever, and I can see what's going on with my camera. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool, except it's going over the Internet, which means, oh, guess what? Whatever is seen on that camera, (laughs) well, you're not the only one looking at it. It ain't private. So, you know, keep that in mind, folks. I think it is cool technology. I like it. I mean, I I wouldn't mind having Of course, you know, they're expensive, and I don't even have a smartphone, so it wouldn't do me a lot of good. But, I mean, in my mind, I wouldn't mind having one because, you know, I recognize what it is. The thing is, when I'm not, when I'm not here, I turn it on. When I am here, I turn it off because... I'm here to see what's going on here. The camera can see what's going on when I'm not here. And you know what? I don't care who else sees what's going on when I'm not here. Because there shouldn't be anything going on when I'm not here. Anyway, we've got people like Skeletor, who, uh, you know, his real name is James Carville. He's saying, oh, this is all just a cockamamie story about uh, Hillary Clinton's emails. And they're saying, hey, it's totally, uh, she uh, disclosed everything. And it's that. Now, you see, they are lying about something. They say, well, she followed the law because she disclosed her emails. You can use private emails as long as you disclose them. Well, for one, that's a lie because she didn't disclose them because there's big gaps in her emails. But that's not exactly true even at that because the rules say you can use a private email for official business if there's some sort of outage on the government server. Meaning, you know, you try to use your government email and it doesn't work. So you go to your personal email as long as you make, whenever you use it from an emergency, you 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 make those emails available. Well, that's not at all what went on with Hillary Clinton. Do you know Hillary Clinton didn't even have a government email account? That's right. She didn't even have an email account through the government. She only had her private email and she has not disclosed all of the emails so you see she really did break the law here now is it the worst of her crimes probably not i mean we have murder fraud we got all kinds of crimes against this woman that are much worse than hiding emails but 
got to take what you can get, folks. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Speaking of taking what you can get, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a bit.
few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the Premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Haven't been at church since I don't remember when. Things were going great. Till they fell apart again So I listened to the preacher As he told me what to do He said you can't go hating others Who have done wrong to you Sometimes we get angry But we must not condemn Let the good Lord do his job You just pray for them I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when 
legs go out running down a hill Pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill And knocks you in the head like I'd like to All right, welcome back, folks. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 9th of March. It's Monday, 2015. It's about 1243 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast, if that's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live, which means you can participate in the show. Go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Everything you need to know about this network is there. Plus, there's a chat room that you can participate in. And let the uh, folks in the chat room did guess the uh, first band, which uh, kind of gimme, isn't it? I mean, Super Tramp, come on. One of their most famous songs. You know, there it is. They got it. I like that song. And that's really the only reason I played it. The second song there is by Jaron. And uh, the thing is, I play this song here because the other day I was telling you about intercessory prayers and how, you know, Maybe it's come time in this nation's history for the Christians in this nation to realize that they've been had, that their leaders are straight up just simply evil, okay? Now, you know, we don't have very many choices, now do we? Oh, we could keep voting. Yes, let's keep voting. Let's keep doing that. Yeah, we already know about black box voting, don't we? We already know the elections are a fraud, don't we? I mean, look at Dirty Harry Reid. Oh, look, I'm going to vote for the other person. Oh, no, you're not. The machine says Dirty Harry Reid. Oh, Dirty Harry was losing 30 minutes before the polls closed, and then miraculously he pulls ahead. Woohoo! Same thing here in Oregon when this last criminal Kitzhopper was elected. Oh, look, we just found 3,000 votes behind a desk, and they're all for him. Whee! He wins. Folks, voting is a fraud. It might make you feel better, but you know what? If you want to feel good about giving your opinion, go online and take some online poll. Most of the online polls are a lot more fair and accurate than any election you're going to be taking part in. So what's the other choice? Well, okay, violent revolution. Yeah, there we go. Uh, How's that going so far? You know, we can't even get 50 people to march anywhere. Uh, Let's go here and uh, let's... uh, Nah. (laughs) Come on, man. The TV's on. I got something to watch. I got something to do. I got no time for that. Or, better yet, hey, man, I'm working three jobs at minimum wage, you know, 30, uh, you know, 25 hours a week on each one. I got no time for marching anywhere except to work. So, where are we at? We could give up and just say, oh, well, that's it. I guess we should all just become a little uh, New World Order drone people and, uh, you know, 
Get ready to be slaughtered. Now, that may happen anyway, but then again, we could show some faith. I mean, hey, uh, I hear a lot in the patriot community about how we're a Christian nation. Well, we're a nation that was founded on Christian principles, but uh, I think that ship has sailed, folks. You can't sit there and say, well, we are in a Christian nation when you've got a nation that is endorsing sodomite marriage. When you're in a nation that kills five million babies every year, or every every month, or what? What is it? I don't know. It's a lot. You can't you you can't say you live in a Christian nation with these things going on. Now, look, you could say, yeah, we're a Christian nation, and yeah, okay. Women could be sneaking down the alley to go get some coat hanger abortion because, you know, they're in a bad spot. These things happen. Yeah, there's prostitution. There always has been. Okay, that doesn't mean, you know, because there's isolated incidences of it. And it's kept in the shadows. Now, that might not seem good to you, but the thing is, what it demonstrates, okay, These bad things have always gone on in every society. But when a society keeps these bad things in in the shadows, because they are ashamed of them, because they are not accepted in the mainstream, like homosexuals, abortion, prostitution, even gambling, okay? They're not accepted in the mainstream. Everybody recognizes they're bad. And they're ashamed of them. That doesn't mean people don't do it. It means they don't, you know, they don't make a big deal about it. They try to keep it quiet. Because after all, we are all sinners. That's not going away. But the fact is, there's a difference between reveling in your sin and Committing sin and, you know, being ashamed and saying, well, you know, I sure hope nobody knows. and I'm, you know, I'm ashamed of this, but, you know, I can't help it. I'm a sinner, you know. And that's how it used to be. Now, America has become a place where, no, no, to become a porn star is actually, you know, something little girls think about in high school. Okay. Yeah, because they make a lot of money. Hey, what's wrong with this? I'm going to have sex anyway. I might as well get paid for it, eh? Well, you know, because, look, here we have a government that says, well, all right, listen, uh, if you go down the street and uh, you pull up to a corner and some girl leans in your car window and says, hey, you want a date? That's a crime, okay? That's a crime right there, see? That's prostitution. That's a crime, by golly, and you better not do it. But if the chick's got a camera in her hand and she says, hey, want to make a movie? Well, that's the erotic film industry. That's fine. Do you see the disconnect here, folks? So we don't live in a Christian nation anymore. Dorothy. But that doesn't mean there's not Christian people out there. 
And what do Christian what can Christian people do when they're surrounded by an evil enemy? I suppose we could take up arms and uh, you know, try to fight the fight and die standing and all that good stuff. And if that's what God tells you to do, that's what you should do. But maybe first we should pray. What are we gonna pray for? You're gonna pray for you're gonna pray for Satan to be saved, is that it? Understand this. Satan has already been judged. It's over. Done. And anybody who follows Satan is over. Done. See, because, now, here's the thing. (laughs) Somebody's got a good comment in the chat room that, you know, the difference between a prostitute and, you know, the adult film industry is that one can be taxed and the other can't. That's why one's okay and the other's not. Yeah, that, you know, that could have something to do with it. And there's no way for the government to really make tons and tons of black black bag money off of prostitution either, because if there was, it'd be like gambling or like, oh, I don't know, heroin sales. You know, from the opium that the United States military is guarding in Afghanistan to be shipped through their transports <laughs> yeah, to the first world. Anyway, my theory, and, you know, a lot of people have uh, very, uh, you know, knowledgeable scholars that, you know, have debated this issue. So there is no, nobody knows for sure. But. The one unforgivable sin is to deny the Holy Spirit, right? People are fairly aware of that. That's the one unforgivable sin, but nobody knows really what that is. It's like, well, what do you mean? A lot of people come up with this, that, or the other thing. You know, a lot of it sounds good. That could be. You know, I don't know that it is or it isn't, but I have an idea also that it is when. Now, listen, think of yourself as neutral, And there are two sides. There is good and evil. Okay? There is the Holy Spirit, and there is the spirit of Satan. That's all there is. There's two two ends here. And there you are, neutral. And guess what? You get to choose. Now, if you choose the spirit of Satan, what have you done to to the Holy Spirit? Haven't you denied it? I mean, it's something to think about at least, right? And I honestly, truly, really believe that these people in Washington, D.C., not all of them, but very, very, very many of them, and in Hollyweird, the ones promoting all this crap through the news and the movies and the TV and all that, knowingly doing it, yeah, there's some dupes who don't know any better, you bet. Just like there's dupes you know that don't know any better. They just do stupid things and follow stupid ideas and believe lies, and they don't know any better. They don't know that they're believing a lie. They just do because they don't know any better. And I'm sure there's people like that in Washington, D.C., in the government, people like that in Hollywood, you know. But for the most part, that's not them. Because after a little while, you got to catch a clue to what you're up to. So, I pray 
that God strikes all these evildoers in Washington, D.C., dead where they stand. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Because, you know, hey, what's the alternative? You know? And if God wants to do it, he can. If he doesn't, he won't. But I can ask. It's just like all prayer. You know, somebody mentioned that to me when I was telling them. And they said, yeah, but you know, God knows what's going on. You know, he'll strike them dead if he wants to. And my, my answer to that was, then why do we pray for anything? I mean, you could say that about anything. God knows exactly what you need. God knows exactly what you want. So why even bother praying for it? I mean, because he already knows if he wants to give it to you, you will. But we pray anyway, don't we? And therein lies why I played that song. Anyhow, there's more. Oh, yes, this will make you, this will just make you, oh, man, yeah, yeah, Obama, he says, uh, look at our history, We're, we are Lewis and Clark and Sajawawa, whatever the Indian's name was, pioneers who braved the unfamiliar, followed by a stampede of farmers and miners and entrepreneurs and hucksters, that's our spirit, that's who we are, we're the slaves who built the White House. No, you're not. See, this is a guy living in the fantasy world that a lot of patriots live in, where they're all living in the republic of a Christian nation. Wee! Well, that's just not reality anymore. I'm sorry. And these are not the slaves that built anything. They're not, but they were never slaves. Unless you're 200 years old, you were never a slave. I mean, give it a rest. You know, I mean, I mean, Obama, you got to be kidding me! And people don't throw rocks at the sky at these at these speeches. Oh man, I tell you, jeez. Well, I'm almost out of time, and I've got something here that I guess is going to have to wait till tonight because I do want. This is not one of the throwaway stories that I'm just going to, you know. Ah, well, I didn't get to it. The headline is, do corporations really need more rights? Yeah. Well, Obama is currently pressing members of Congress. Now, remember, Obama's a pre- the president of the people. He's a Democrat. He loved the little guy, right? Yeah, isn't that the Democrats? Huh? Well, maybe not, because uh, he's currently pressing members of Congress to pass fast-track authority for a trade and investment agreement called the Pan, uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP. If Fast Track passes, it means that Congress must approve or deny the TPP with minimal debate and no amendments. Astonishingly, our lawmakers have not seen the agreement they're being asked to expedite. Well, I guess they can read it after they pass it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, this is just, you know, I couldn't sit here and make this stuff up, folks. If I tried to make this stuff up, I would say, oh, I can't, you know, they'll never buy this. I can't, you know, I can't 
I can't say this, that they'll know I'm kidding right away, right? They'll just know. They'll just, well, apparently not, because this is reality, folks. This is really happening. And when I come back tonight, we'll get more into this Trans-Pacific Partnership, because you might not have heard about it. And if you've heard about it, you might not know that much about it, and that's what I'm here for. So I'll be back again tonight, and we'll do that. And coming up next, we've got a full day between now and then, though, and next is financial survival so don't go anywhere and as always thanks for listening American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees as Transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's being next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoin.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Wednesday, March 4th, 2015. Wendy Wilson will be joining us right after the market report today. Good afternoon, Al. Oh, Melody. Hey, Al. Hmm. How's weather storm, winter storm Thor treating you down there in Dallas? It's more like a spring storm. <laughs> spring Thor? I don't know. Spring Thorward and uh, fall back or something. Yeah. something. I don't know what it is. Well, gold but for fell. The moment we have, but for the moment we have uh, rain, but not snow. Good. <clears throat> gold fell back a little bit today, 450. It was positive uh, most of the day, you know, just teetering between 12.02 and 12. We're currently at 1,200 right on the nose. How unusual is that? Silver's down five cents today at 16.27. Uh, Platinum is down three at 11.84, along with palladium down two at $829. The USDX today, of course, of course is strong. 0.56 0.56 to the up, 95.96. Crude oil is also up big today, back up uh, almost 52, 51.79, up 1.27. The paper markets today came back somewhat. They were down uh, oh, a little bit more significantly than what they are now. The Dow was down 106 points at 18,096. You know, the NASDAQ down 12 at 49.67. The S&P was also down 9 at 2,098. The 10-year yield, 2.12%. The euro got whacked again today, 1.11, down 0.93. So a lot of pressure on that euro, and I don't even think he's begun to buy his bonds yet. I don't think he actually uh, started to do his quantitative easing as yet. I think it's coming up soon, but uh, or here shortly, but uh, not as yet. But a lot of pressure on that euro. Wendy Wilson, I believe she is with us. Good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon, Melody. Hello, Al. How you doing? All right. Yay. Yay. Well, yay. Uh, well, it's almost 70 degrees here. In Charlotte, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, it's uh, it's it's blustery though. March has come in like a lion, a little bit of blustery uh, wind. But uh, we're supposed to drop back to the 40s and 50s the rest of the week, so it's kind of a odd day. Okay. Yes, it is. So, what are we <laughs> going to talk about? The electronic shadow or medical blunders? Well, why don't you pick, Al? Well, I'm thinking that the electronic shadow appeals to me because it opens up who knows what what uh, uh, health problems right. lurk in the minds well, of men. Electronic well, shadow knows. Yes, um, well, good choice, good choice. You know, 20 years ago, uh, we were kind of given a glimpse into this uh, data matrix dilemma that we all find ourselves in. In 1995, uh, actress Sandra Bullock, she started in this com- as a computer analyst in the movie The Net. Did you ever see that movie, you guys? I did. I okay. Did. So um, I, was, I saw it, too. I was young, Mom. I didn't really pay that much attention to the message that the movie was sending, which basically is through technology, identity theft is not the worst that could happen to you. 
so this is the you know the 20 year old technology in the movie kind of looks like a Model T compared to our sleek, really ultra thin uh, touch screens and all the uh, you know gadgets that we have today. But uh, if you have an opportunity, if anybody wants to revisit that movie, please do because in the movie, actress Sandra Bullock. Uh, talks about, she uses a very interesting term. She refers to this huge data risk technology that we're all exposed to now as an electronic shadow. Do you remember that, Al? No, I don't. Oh, well, okay. Well, um, it, you know, it, it's really, she's casting a light on our techno-filled world, and it's almost like that we were given a, a heads up 20 years ago that this would be what's coming. And, sh you know, a shadow is described as gloomy, a ghost, darkness, even secrets. So I think the path that our technology is on is really going to replace a lot of mainstays in our lives, like I'm sure you've probably heard tangible currency may be going bye-bye, and paper documents. So this data that we're in, this data era, will actually, I think, become almost like gold because data will be valuable information that they can use to control people with. What do you think of that? Well, I agree with you. I agree. I mean, you know, information really is a form of control, or it certainly can be used that way. And for well, what it's worth, I, I wrote an article back in the 1990s where I described the Internet as inherently deflationary, not only inherently deflationary, but it was arguably a means of exchange. Right. Therefore, arguably a form of money. Now, I'm not saying that's true. It was an idea that I explored, but... This is a strange world that we are stumbling into, and we don't right. understand what's going on. We just kind of walk in like children and say, oh, isn't that cool? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's like everybody it's has not... that look. Yeah, everybody has that look at, you know, the cellular phone, you know, like Verizon shop. You walk in, oh, look at all this neat stuff. But um, if, if our engineer Frank is listening, we have, if he can find the clip, there's a clip to this movie that that's really neat. We should play it. It's like, you know, what, uh, 15 seconds. I don't know. Frank, let me know on Skype if you can find it. But basically, uh, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like uh, I'm being left in the data intelligence dust, if you will. Uh, yep. I, I resisted, I resisted uh, upgrading my flip phone to a smartphone because it's so technology challenged. And then some people are going back to the flip phones for security reasons, like the Hollywood types. Everything was being hacked on their phones. So, um, and if you look at your phone, I mean, my, my smartphone came in the mail, and I needed my adult children living at home to help me figure it out because everything was in yeah. their hieroglyphics. Everything yep. was picture, and I'm like, uh, you know, what's wrong with written words? But hieroglyphics apparently has become the universal language. But I just think it's interestingly weird that we're in this modern era using an ancient way to communicate. But oh, Frank says he's got the clip. So uh, let Sandra Bullock is explaining time, but it was 20 years ago. Go ahead, play the clip, please. I've been appointed to help you, but everything you're saying is just so fetched. They've changed your name, your friend's medical records, crash planes because... But just think about it. Just think about it. Our whole world is sitting there on a computer. It's in the computer. Everything. Your your DMV records, your, your Social Security, your credit cards, your medical history, it's all right there. Everyone is stored, and there's like this little electronic shadow on each and every one of us just begging for somebody to screw with 
And you know what? They've done it to me, and you know what? They're going to do it to you. Oh, boy. Well, uh, what do you think of that, Al, Melody? <laughs> well, I, you know, it's it's absolutely possible. And yeah. the only thing about it is there's so many of us. They've got the records on me and Melody and you and the rest of that sort of thing and 300 million other Americans and God only knows how many other people in the world. But there's a limited number of people who are in positions to actually take advantage of that information. Hmm. They have information overload. Who do they decide to get? Yeah, I mean, get you know. Shall they get you? Shall they get Melody? Who do they go after? They've got so many targets that they got to be said, I, you know, this information problem is not just a problem for us being exposed. It's a problem for the government. They have more information than they know what to do with. They can do a lot, but, the, but who does, who's the target? And who's to say, you know, there's people out there that are pretty savvy didn't give them misinformation, so they got a lot of nonsense that they have. Oh, then you've got, really you got clerical data entry errors. Yeah, um, absolutely. Let's I mean, pray for that. <laughs> Well, you know, there's a, there's an interesting thing. Just this week, uh, it was reported that, that the second largest health insurer, Anthem Inc., yeah, it's the largest insurer in the United States, uh, their security was breached, and a lot of sensitive information was exposed and even stolen. So anyone that was uh, on Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Amerigroup, Caremore, Unicare, HealthLink, and DCARE uh, have rights to be concerned because the information that was stolen was their names, their birth dates, their social security numbers, social security numbers, uh, physical addresses, email addresses, employment information, including their income data. Now, at this juncture, they said none of the medical record information seemed to be affected, but their medical ID numbers were also stolen. So it's an ongoing investigation. But just to give you an idea of the size of this, uh, this breach, they reported 8 million current, former and current customers being uh, accessed. This is the largest hack job to date. So uh, there's one thing that they is can't... Is it confined to the United States, or is it in the United States, several other countries? How does it work out? This is the, uh, you know? this is the United States company, but so where the information went... we're talking a quarter. We're yeah. talking more than a quarter. We're really talking about, well, I don't know, in any case, a quarter. Person in four in the United States has had all of that information picked up and by somebody who shouldn't have it. Now, what's going to be done with it? Well, they'll probably open bank accounts and, you know, buy cars and, you know, God knows what other may have. But somebody's going to pay for those cars and bank accounts. And the people who've been had their their numbers pirated, stolen. I don't think they're going to be responsible for paying for the new car that somebody buys with that with that information or the re- well, You know, you have to go through a health exam that may be required for employment. And um, any of that data can be, uh, I guess, hacked, uh, manipulated, uh, uh, sabotaged, or whatever. So here's the thing. Uh, FBI is investigating a sophisticated hack 
done by J.P. Morgan Chase. The bank got hacked. So the bank hackers inserted fake transactions through the banking SWIFT network, and that's a network where they distribute money to banks and other credit cards. And they also got control of the ATMs, and they had money mules there to collect the money as the machine started spitting out all this cash. So bank hackers are able to gain access to the bank system via the email. There's their Achilles heel. So this is a global problem, and banks don't want to reveal all problems because they risk the confidence of their customers and investors. Now, according to software engineer David Arbach, he says the thieves have an array of sophisticated malware, botnets, or create mechanisms to avoid the bank security systems. And he feels the banks are far behind the data dilemma game. And the banks go strictly, if they go strictly electronic currency, everybody's finances will be more at risk by the electronic shadow. Definitely. It's going to be, a, there's going to be an app. They can <laughs> attach to one of your little cards and you uh, go over to the ATM and you'll be able to withdraw money from somebody else's account. There's an app for that, you know, and it's going to happen. Mm-mm. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, it could, it could be, it could be, I can see it. I, well, yeah, electronic shadow. I mean, app. the hackers have right it. That's, it should be sold to everybody. They should just have these, so you put them on your card. Don't worry about being stolen. Just go rob somebody else's bank account. They'll rob your bank account. We'll all be a nation of thieves. I don't know where it's going to work out. I don't know. If you got but a card, I, you're good. Yeah. Well, I tell uh, people, I know you guys have to, um, you know, tangible assets, nothing replaces that, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, currency with your gold and silver coins, you know, you know paper assets, you know. Uh, or if you know if you if you want to hold on to your your insurance card, great. But I personally, when it comes to preventable issues, I have learned over the years that you you cleanse away toxicity and you put in good nutrition. It helps the body uh, avoid a lot of uh, preventative health issues. So I mean, it's 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 uh, simple and effective. Everybody can do it, and it's not going to break the bank. So that's why I trust in. God's good herbs for cleansing and immune boosting. So that's where I'm at. And I, you, I know you guys are at your tangible asset, gold and silver coins thing. That's what you guys are about. And there's a big question. Mm. How long can they keep stealing 80 million records a time before the public realizes that this digital, all of our digital debit cards, credit cards, all the rest of this stuff, this, this is potentially dangerous. You are vulnerable. If you're digital, you're vulnerable. Yeah, and that's why. And I don't why. think there's any way of protecting it because the whole system is based on easy access. Right. Well, if I get a cell phone, I can easily access the system. Then easy access and convenience, it also opens the door up for hackers. They can access the system. They have to jump through a couple more hoops than I do with my cell phone, but they can pop right into the system. Right, and protect against that without restricting everybody and eliminating the convenience and the ease of access. Right, that's what you've been up is, you know, you're risking it all for convenience and ease of access. And uh, I refuse to go there. I don't do online banking. I'm kind of old-fashioned that way, and um, I don't know what I'm going to do if they get rid of it. Can you imagine how you can say that's kind of old-fashioned? I know. It's the way of the world up until maybe the last 20 years. It's about as long as they've had online banking. Well, I know. When this movie came out in 1995, that wouldn't 
never have crossed our minds that it's old-fashioned right. to you know, do that. But, hey, I, I, I think people need to be proactive. They need to use common sense. And uh, I, I think just be real careful with what technology you're using and you know, safeguard yourself as best as you can. Have some backup. You know, a backup currency with uh, with uh, Melanie, and you know, backup healthcare uh, products with the apothecary herbs, so you have you know something on hand should you know this happen. Yeah, it's a it's a fictional world we're dealing with. The digital world is an illusion. It's fictional. It's convenient. It's fascinating. You get your cell phone. You mentioned you go into the store and you're looking at the cell phone, but the folks you recognize, your cell phone is also looking at you. Well, and they want to use the cell phone now as a bank app. So I worry about these kids losing their cell phones. The bank is right there. And uh, the new credit cards have tracking chips on them. Have you seen them? No, I can't say that I've noticed. Oh, yeah. They they come with a, with a little square. It's black, and it's a tracking chip. So they think that's just going like to help down do you, do you mean like a GPS tracking chip? Yep, that's what it is. Well, I don't know what to, to tell you other thought. than the world is a strange and interesting place. And we've got about 45 seconds before we break for commercials, so you need to give us some contact information. Well, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I love Oregon Cleanse with Herbs because it will remove heavy metals, radioactive particles, uh, pharmaceutical residues, and all of the little critters you don't want to hang on to. And, of course, your immune boosting is going to just help your immune system become stronger and stronger and stronger. And so this is the way I think God intended us to be proactive because he said herbs are here for the service of man in Psalms 104. And he says herbs are meat in Genesis chapter 1, and I believe him. So if anybody would like a free product catalog, we have a toll-free number. You can call and request at 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663, or visit the website, thepowerherbs.com. That's free health care options. Just became endless. All right, Wendy, thanks very much. Look forward to talking to you again next Wednesday. That's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherms.com, 866-229-3663. We're going to take a break. Commercials, be right back. Please stay tuned. future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there were 300% death rates in those inoculated, and millions were paid out damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, can make it 10 times longer. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. 
Food prices have increased 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. We and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Peterstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? Hey, we got a little special today. It's a nice little special. It's a combination of bullion gold, a little semi-numismatic, and 90% silver. We have a one-ounce gold eagle coin. That is a one-ounce gold American eagle coin. We have a almost uncirculated $5 Liberty gold piece. This is dated prior to uh, and including 1907. So you'll get some 1880, 18, oh, you might get some 85s and 1895 and mixtures of dates for the AU $5 Liberty gold piece. And we have $25 face value of 90% silver. And the total package includes your shipping. It's 2015. That's 2015, and we're going to continue this special. We might change the coins and give you various uh, uh, selections of coins, but we're going to keep the price 2015, 2015. Does that ring a bell, Al? 2015? Uh, you know, isn't, isn't, that the, isn't that the year that the Mayan calendar runs out of space <laughs> or something like that? Is that what it is? Yay! <laughs> So, yes, we'll keep it uh, all year long, 20, 2015, and we'll, we'll alternate the coins and so forth based on what the spot price is doing and so forth. This is the first package for 2015, one-ounce Gold Eagle coin, AU $5 Liberty, and $25 face value of 90% silver. It has just about every coin in there that you need, a little bit of viable coinage, and, of course, investment coinage. Give us a call at one 800 375 4188. You can buy one or a hundred of these packages. So give us a call at 1 800 375 4188. 
Well, sounds like a good special melody. I've got an article here from Yahoo Finance. And this is strange to me. All right. The headline, this is a Yahoo Finance. Uh, this is not the headline. It's a great time to cheat on your taxes. Now, how bizarre is that? I mean, I won't argue that Yahoo Finance is the same thing as the Wall Street Journal, but this is not just some radical, I don't know, website or blog or something on the Internet. This is this is a credible, a credible out, and the headline is, it's a great time to cheat on your taxes. And the article says, if you don't already cheat on your taxes, it's an opportune time to start. I'm pretty much amazed by this. For the fourth year in a row, the Internal Revenue Service will be doing more with when it audits 2014 tax returns, with the odds of getting audited falling from falling to an 11-year low, just 0.86%, less than 1%, less than one chance in 100 of being audited on average. Uh, um, in 2010, the odds were 1.1%. 1.11 percent. They've they've fallen. That's a 22 percent fall in five years on the odds of being audited. Um, the IRS Commissioner John Kuskinen Kuskinen calls the change a deeply disturbing drop in our individual audit rates. The odds of wealthy filers earning more than a million dollars getting audited have fallen from 8.4 percent to 7.5 percent since 20, 2010. So they're going after uh, they're going after the wealthy at a much higher rate than they do after the great unwashed. The great unwashed would any be anyone who's making less than a million dollars a year. Uh, for big corporations, the odds of our audit are down from 16.7 percent to 12.2 percent. That's a 27 percent reduction. Big corporations are apparently the big winner in the audit reduction uh, uh, numbers over the past five years. Congress, which when the IRS isn't isn't explicitly telling Americans to dodge taxes, of course, but it's making it a lot easier to do so. Funding for the tax agency has been cut by about 10% since 2010. The number of IRS employees has fallen by 8% over that time. The number of returns filed, meanwhile, have risen by 3.4%. The growing gap between workload and funding may not seem huge, but some analysts fear a tipping point is coming with tax collection problems bound to multiply. I'm very concerned that the IRS may actually crash. Michael Gregory, a former IRS supervisor who retired in 2011 after 28 years with the agency. Melody, I, I, what a scary thought. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps. I get, get chills up and down my spine, the idea that the IRS might actually crash. I don't expect that to happen, but it is still just such a strange story. Yahoo Finance is saying it's a good time to cheat on your income tax. You know, they're kind of tongue-in-cheek about it, but just the same. This is six weeks until we have April 15th. Uh, and, well, and, <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody knows that we're not suggesting that you cheat on your taxes. We're not telling you to do that. 
but it is a tongue-in-cheek type, and, and it's interesting. I mean, they do have problems, and, um, you know, we did talk about what the 2016 calls for, uh, the increase uh, for the IRS, 18%. That's, that's quite a bit. Yeah, but some this article touched on that, and it said that while Obama, I thought I thought the article said 16 for maybe it said 18. I don't recall clearly, but it said although Obama wants that, they think it's unlikely that it's going to happen because the Republicans are in favor of small government will restrict funding for the IRS with the idea of less money oh, being hell. raised by the IRS will contribute to small government. I too find that to be you know. Comment, but that's just Republicans you know, aren't going to restrict <laughs> anything. I mean, we on homeland security. You know, they'll fund anything and everything. You know, yeah. so you know, it's just like you know the debt ceiling that was supposed to come to a, a halt this month. I now saw new um, reports that it's supposed to go until October, November, September, October this fall sometime. Uh, that will be there for the government, uh, but it was supposed to um, run out this month. So um, I'm not sure what they did and so forth, but, uh, you know, just something, you know, kicking that can down the road. But that road is uh, beginning to run out of cement. There used to have potholes. Now we have can holes. Kicking the can too far down the road. You know, it was interesting. You, you made a comment about that, uh, about that as being, you know, s you know, something that could collapse. Did you say? Yeah, they. Somebody was worried that the IRS might collapse. Well, I was reading an article today about the uh, subsidies for this health care. Yep. And this article actually talks about that if they pull those subsidies that it could actually collapse the system. The health care system? The health care system. Mm -hmm. Because they said losing these subsidies for millions of people could cause the whole system to collapse. Well, and it be, might be. And, and, you know, so you don't realize this is something of a problem that we don't think much about it actually causing the whole system to collapse. But yet it possibly could because you're looking at uh, uh, cutting off these subsidies would be disastrous. Uh, so you have a lot of these uh, uh, justices. Uh, there's two justices who seem to be in the middle of this situation. That's John Roberts and Anthony Kennedy. Uh, this ruling isn't expected, uh, is expected by late June. And uh, I didn't also realize that nine out of ten more than 11 million people are enrolled in this, and nearly 9 out of 10 receive tax subsidies. Yes. Shocking. I think the point is that the Obamacare program, it can't make it without subsidies. No. If the system itself can be collapsed, the Obamacare program isn't that what year or two that has been in effect? I mean, when we talk about collapsing the system, what are we talking about? We're talking about just moving it back to where it was a couple of years ago. This is not a catastrophe. But even I, if it were a catastrophe, what we're really saying is medical care is you want to stay in business, want to be a doctor, nurse, whatever, you're going to have to work for less money. No, you're going to have to charge less money for, for 
you know, cardiac operations or heart operations and so on. And uh, the, the cost is going to have to fall. And if you can't, it's, they're telling us that the system can't survive without subsidies, which ultimately means it's not self-supporting. It means that inevitably the system will collapse. You show me any nation, take Greece. They can't make it without subsidies. All right, they're just one example, one illustration. Take the people who are on welfare. They can't make it without subsidies. Here's health care. Can't survive without subsidies, if we can believe what one person said. How long can the subsidies continue? I mean, the government is running around and saying, wait, wait, we want to give a free lunch. Do you have a free lunch, sir? How about you, madam? Do you have, uh, step right up. We've got free lunches for everybody. Just vote for me, and I'll see that you keep getting more free lunches. It can't be sustained. Somebody's got to pay for those lunches. There are no free lunches. Somebody pays for them. You might not have to pay, but it doesn't mean that somebody's not paying. And where's the justification that somebody is paying for a free lunch and he's not getting a free lunch? He's paying for somebody else's free lunch. I mean, you're just, you look at this and you just understand this can't go on. When is it going to end? Don't know. But it can't go on forever. Which means the people that are dependent, headed for a moment when, uh-oh, the check's not going to be there in the mail. Or your little, your little welfare card is not going to be, be charged by the welfare office. Um, and what do you do then? What do people... You know, this is another one of these evidence from my perspective. I look at it and I say, okay, fine. The stuff may not be hitting the fan today or this month or this year. But we can see that it can be sustained. The stuff is going to hit the fan, Melody. That's why I'm thinking about starting to sell stuff and such raincoats. Get yourself little rubber booties that you can wear over your shoes and one of those hats and the rest of that sort of thing. Because the stuff is going to hit the fan. It really is. And, you know, again, like this is just an example, and I don't think it would be anything disastrous at the moment that they, they stop the subsidies, but certainly that would happen because you have all these people in there. You know, you have the uh, uh, subsidies that are keeping the prices down, so if they disappear, the healthy people would get you know, decide insurance was too expensive, so they'd go in, they'd go uncovered, you know, so you'd have this big pool of sicker people, and uh, those people are in there, and they're going to continue to get treatment, and all of a sudden the system, very, this insurance, so it would be worse than just going back two years, and uh, I doubt if they're going to change it, but um, I don't think they'll rule against the subsidies, but... uh, um, Anyway. Hard to say, even regardless, the point remains that the system can't survive without subsidies. We are in a problem where sooner or later we're going to have to deal with, we don't have enough money. The government is technically bankrupt, and that's not news. It's been bankrupt for a long time. It's living on borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. If that, you know, if it gets shut off and the government can't borrow any more currency, how are they going to maintain these subsidies? Who's going to pay for this stuff? It looks, you know, you just look at it, and I don't care what they do. It looks like we have, it's going to be a problem. It might be a couple, several years before the problem fully manifests. 
but it's going to be a problem. I'll give you another one to think about. I will be interested to watch studies on American mortality rates before and after Obamacare kicked in. I'm wondering whether Obamacare, and I don't have any evidence to support this. I'm just this is just an interesting question to me. Will there be evidence within the next several years that Obamacare is being instituted at the same time our life expectancy starts to shorten? And if so, will that be evidence that Obamacare is actually shortening our life expectancy? I'm wondering. I don't have any evidence to support that speculation, but it's something we can watch for over the course of the next several years. And who knows? Maybe they'll even show that Obamacare is lengthening our life expectancy. But I don't see how that's possible. Well, I think you're going to see it coincide with the uh, the, our children are so unhealthy and their life expectancies are supposed to be dropping. Uh, It'll be the first, uh, you know, generation to where they will not live as long as their parents. So I think we've certainly peaked. uh, uh, Someone was just telling me that the life expectancy for males now is has been raised to like 85 and women are 88 or something like that so uh, i think we pretty much peaked for our life expectancy so uh you'll see everything sort of coincide with one another so they'll never be able to blame one thing or another yeah well trying to prove cause and effect it's always there's a lot of opinion in that we can see that you know, this happens and then this happens. Did the first thing cause the second thing, or are they just coincidental? But well, you can certainly see our children are not as healthy as, you know, with the food, the, the Monsantos and all the crap that's in yeah, the I food. I mean, yes, they are not as healthy. Yeah, and they will not have the same life expectancy as we have. And they won't have the same expectancy for living the American dream has always been that the next generation Financially, would live no. better than the previous generation. Each that's generation would live better. That's done. That's not happening. And it hasn't. That American dream has been gone essentially since the 1970s, and people are just beginning to pick up on that fact. Who took the American dream? The United States government. Let's take a break for some commercials. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. Please stay tuned. provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time tincture NT to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 
888-3663, international 704-875-8010, or online at thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
therefore, it means the government of China is literally advertising its currency overseas. And it's making sure that everyone landing at one of the world's busiest airports sees that ad. The Chinese government knows the future belongs to them, and they're flaunting it. That's what Mr. Black is saying in his article. And he goes on, he says, and it's true, the renminbi's importance in global trade and as a reserve currency is increasing exponentially, with the renminbi trading hubs popping up all over the world from Singapore to London to Luxembourg to Frankfurt to Toronto. Multinational corporations such as McDonald's are now issuing bonds in renminbi. And even sovereign governments are issuing debt denominated in renminbi, including the United Kingdom. Almost every major global player out there, be it government or major multinationals, is positioning itself for the renminbi to become the dominant reserve currency. Right? So this is interesting. This is, this, is, this is really remarkable. The Chinese government is advertising the renminbi on a big billboard as new choice, the world currency. Now, it gets even more interesting from my perspective. The billboard, the graphic image on the billboard, it's a little bit, it's a little bit fuzzy because the guy took it out of his car or the cab while he's driving down the road. It's not as clear as you'd like it, but it does not include a stack of paper renminbi. Okay, in other words, like our dollars. They're advertising renminbi is going to be the new global currency or world reserve currency. That's essentially what they're arguing. But they don't have an image on the board that shows us a, pay, a stack of paper renminbi. Instead, the dominant graphic on the billboard is a lady's hand holding what appears to be a gold coin. Now, this appearance proves nothing. China made mints a number of relatively low-value coins that appear to be silver, but are actually made of some other alloy, probably nickel and who knows what. But the, it looks silvery, but it's not actually silver. They also mint one yuan and five jiao. Uh, coins that have a golden appearance, but they're probably brass, and they're an inexpensive alloy. China also emits pandas, though, that are made of gold and are similar to the modern United States gold eagles. So the graphic image on the billboard, again, a bit distant, blurred, and indistinct. I can't make out a precise image on the coin. It might be a panda that's truly made of gold, or it might be a jowl that's made uh, that's, uh, that's made to look a little like gold, but it's really just brass or something like that, some sort of a base metal. <clears throat> but it is at least odd that China would use a metallic coin to, uh, to advertise the renminbi as the next world reserve currency rather than a stack of paper renminbi since the coin at least appears to be made of gold. So I'm re-looking at this, and I don't have information. I, I, don't, I can't tell. I actually I, uh, took the copy of the photograph of, the, of this billboard, and I actually blew it up with a, you know, draw a program uh, on, on the computer and expanded it, and it's, but it's still too fuzzy to make out for sure. I don't know if I'm looking at a panda or I'm looking at something brass, but the color does not look like brass. The color on the billboard looks like gold. And is China signaling 
but they're about to mint and issue gold renminbi as a world reserve currency. What do you think, Melody? Much ado about nothing, or is this something? I just think it's interesting. I think it's a sign of the times, and I think it's, uh, you know, where we're headed. And, uh, you know, people are, are, you know, using their currencies to uh, uh, do what is needed to gain their little spot in the world. And, uh, you know, there is a currency war going on. We know that. We've known that for a long time. Countries manipulate their currencies to uh, benefit. Everybody knows the pressure on the U.S. dollar. Uh, certainly, uh, the U.S. dollar is losing its status slowly, but it's losing its status. Everybody knows that the financial shape that we're in. So, yeah, I can see someone wanting to uh, do what they, you know, plant the seeds. You know, that's uh, possibly what it is: planting the seed, uh, looking to become, uh, you know, to, to to gain their status and. Uh, whether it will or not, I still believe the the world is going to be cut up in zones, and you know they might very well, you know, have the world uh, uh, currency in their zone. Perhaps uh, don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But there will be a, a currency that is backed by gold, I believe, for trade. That's the only way that you can stabilize these uh, um, global um, trading. And global trading is not going to go away. Globalization is not going to go away. And uh, these Currency manipulations uh, 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 by the governments, is, you know, will have to uh, be controlled. So, uh, it's well, just, the uh, only thing, the problem the government has is all politicians like to give out a free lunch as <clears> long <throat> as it gets them reelected. And when you have a fiat currency, it's almost impossible to resist the temptation of handing out free lunches. Because all you got to do is spin that currency out of thin air, and you can seemingly. And that's what they're going to continue. Absolutely, and that's what. Probably they're that's what they're going to continue. But it's it's, you know, it's like having access to all the cocaine or whatever other drug, heroin or whatever drug, you might happen to prefer, and somebody just gives you an endless supply. This is going to come to a bad end, all right? You may be able to say, "Yay, yay! I get free cocaine for the rest of my life." Well. Don't plan on living too long. Well, we got a caller out. We have Bill from Ohio. Hello, Bill. Hi. I'm wondering, with all the government manipulation, how are you so sure when the dollar falls that the next currency won't be a computer chip on the forehead and hand and, and gold will be worth anything? Well, I don't know. I can't give you a prophecy, but gold will always be worth something. All right, that's point one. It has been for the last 5,000 years. It's not likely to set that track record any time in the foreseeable future. I will make you a bet that any of the computer chips you're talking about or the paper dollars or the digital dollars, they won't be here 100 years from now. But gold will still be here. It might be in the black market. Who knows where it's going to be? But it won't be, you know, it won't disappear. Somewhere, somewhere in prophecy, it, it says it's going to be you can't buy or sell with a chip. So how? Can yeah, you I get that gold? without the mark. I get that. So Either if you don't, let me ask you this: if you don't have something that you'll be able to trade in the black market, um, it's going to be difficult for people to say no. And um, you know, if you can't, you know, trade or buy without the, the chip, what are you going to use? You know, that chip is not the idea. That chip is not so far distant. No, it isn't. 
I was just looking at a uh, at one of those debit cards where you can charge them. You can buy them down at the grocery store and charge them and, you know, put five $600 on a debit card, and I was thinking about sending it off as a gift. Well, I looked at it. I looked at the instructions, and apparently once, even though you don't just get that card right there at the grocery store, you've got to sign up and give them all of their, your information, including your social security number, your identification. They want to know who's spending that 600 bucks. We are not so far from the moment where that mark is seen to be here. Government wants to know you can't spend. I, you can't get one of those unless you want to give them their, your social security number, at least not legally. Um, is that the mark of the beast? I'm not making that argument, but I'm saying it's pretty close. You can't use that piece of plastic unless somebody's willing to fess up and say, well, here's my social security number. That's the implication. So, you know, what we do on a spiritual level and what we do on a political and financial level, these are kind of two different things. And once we do fall fully into end time, um, the world is going to be so strange. You know, there will be things like gold and silver that will not necessarily be relevant at that time. But up until that time, it's going to be very relevant. And when we get to that time when even gold or silver might not be relevant, I guarantee you that the paper dollars in your wallet and the digital dollars in your bank account they're going to go long before do we decide, well, I don't need gold or silver anymore. We're in end times. Well, get to that. The dollars will be gone long before the gold and the silver. And after that, we're in end times. Well, it's not going to matter all that much, is it? <laughs> I mean, maybe we're headed for heaven and maybe we're headed for hell, but uh, in a very short period of time, once gold and silver is no longer needed, you folks are headed for a final destination. Right? Up until that moment, if and when it comes, gold and silver will be an important investment. Now, is, did we just talk to Bill from Ohio? Yes, we did. Yeah. Right. Are you still there, Bill? Are you still there? Yeah, that's what yeah, I well, want to know. The show started with the your health person talking about everything on a computer, all our information being on a computer. So. Yeah. Well, I understand that, but here's the funny thing. Again, how do you protect all that information? How do you protect if we're going to store your entire wealth? Let's suppose we could store your entire wealth. Instead of in a bank account, we're going to put it in a chip that's in your hand. How do you protect that chip from hackers? Well, I don't think that's the intent. I think the intent is to be controlled, not to control it. Well, I agree with you, but just the same. The question is, is if I can control a dog with a leash, anybody else who's got the leash can control the dog, too. If somebody puts a chip in my right hand that's controlled that has all my wealth stored in it, you know, there are going to be people around who are going to say, why don't we just chop his hand off and take the chip for ourselves? Right. You know. Then they've got where those people are because their chip's there. So then it goes on. I've seen movies like this where people pull things out of their body like that. Sure. They were made about 20 years ago. Yeah. Yep. But it yeah. just illustrates the problem you have 
And it also illustrates part of the reason why people may just decide to get away from digital currency. It can't be secured. You might get robbed. People may, I don't anticipate, it's hard to imagine that people would give up their MasterCards and their Visas and the rest of that sort of thing, but it may be that we'll start to see that and get rid of the paper even. It might be that people go back, they start saying, well, listen, we need something tangible. Can't be hijacked I'd love to give them a Morgan Sylvan dollar for a fill-up, but I don't, they don't take those. They will. Never know. Yeah, they will the in the future. They may, come. they may come when that's, you know, they will get. So we live in interesting times, Bill, and a lot of times all you can do is the best you can do. Even if you're a little bit confused and say, I don't know, should I do this, that? Well, you're going to have to make choices because the world is moving, changing rapidly and Better do the best you can with what you got. I want to thank you for your call, Bill. We're out of time. We have to close the program down. I want to thank all of you folks for listening. Melody and I will be back uh, tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Bill from Ohio. Bye-bye.
Don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the Premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC didn't use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
official withdrawal. And why would you think? Well, you know, no one in the news, if you are uh, one of these people that would like to send in a tweet or uh, make a comment uh, to network uh, anchor people, they're always wanting uh, you. Bill O'Reilly invites comments. Why didn't somebody just say, other than 8,400 tons of opiates, other than 93% of the world's heroin being provided by Afghanistan, that comes right out of our own figures. I'm talking CIA and Drug Enforcement Administration. You get them right off the Internet. Ask, why doesn't anybody ever mention this? How can have three times the heroin ever produced by the Golden Triangle coming out of a poor country like Afghanistan every year? And if America is hanging back to protect Karzai, otherwise we're afraid the Taliban may take over again. Is there a message here? Does this, we're looking out after the dope? And if so, whose dope? It isn't helping us with high gas prices, is it? I can imagine Karzai getting tired of his uh, people and children being killed uh, because collateral war damage. But, you know, it's actually Karzai and his brother that uh, are right at the top of the, of the heap when it comes to benefiting from uh, this dope business. So... Uh, we need to start asking some questions. Just ask the question. If Bill O'Reilly were to mention one time, well, what about the dope? 8,400 tons, 93% of the world's heroin. What are we doing about that? If Gates cannot say that he can define what victory is in Afghanistan, what about in 30 minutes, using C-130s with the same same crap that we used over in uh, Vietnam, why don't we just spray every poppy field? Could we do it? In one day, could we wipe out what, when the Taliban was in charge of Afghanistan, there was no measurable amount, and now America's in charge? And it's 8,400 tons, 93% of the world's uh, dope. Anyway, I think that it is absolutely shameful that it has cost the lives of 5,932 Americans. You think anybody will mention the reason that we're in Afghanistan may be protection of the dope for Karzai tonight in Iowa. They're going to have uh, a Republican candidate uh, 
town square type presentation, it's interesting that uh, two of the most popular uh, Republican candidates for president, that's Mitt Romney and Sarah Palin, won't be there. Newt Gingrich is going to show up. There's five candidates that will be represented. And it seems like the hottest Republican among all of those that you can count uh, that might be a candidate for president of the United States, it would be noteworthy, is the hottest one is the governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. And he says he doesn't want to be president of the United States and won't run. So uh, we have the governor of Louisiana, Buddy uh, Raymer. He will be there. Uh, Rick uh, Santorian, or that's close anyway. I'm trying to remember. Uh, anyway, Newt Gingrich will be. He is a very uh, articulate man. He could probably turn Obama into dog food. Uh, during any kind of uh, verbal battle. But does Newt Gingrich have uh, anything to bring that we know so much about him? Everything has been uh, just uh, keep it going as usual, no new thing. I don't know that Newt would add a thing as president of the United States. One thing that is for sure, Ensign, that's my senator, <laughs> wrote him a letter today. John Ensign has announced that he will not seek a third term uh, in 2012. And the reason is because uh, he had an affair with one of his uh workers that was on his personal staff, Cynthia Hampton, a campaign aide, and actually Cynthia Hampton's husband, Doug, he was Ensign's deputy legislative staffer. And so Ensign, the good Christian, Republican, conservative, uh, had uh, been elected twice to the U.S. Senate here in Nevada, and uh, at a time when uh, the U.S. Senate is struggling to stay up with the Democrats uh, in the 100 senators, and then we see that uh, Republican senators all over the place are uh, dropping out. And here's another one, a guy that I know who actually is a good senator. But one thing beyond uh, just diddling uh, your uh, legislative uh, deputy's wife, and that is that uh, Doug and Cynthia uh, were a little bit mercenary about it, maybe a little emotional. 
know. I don't know how angry uh, Doug uh, got when it was exposed. But uh, they decided to bribe Ensign. And Ensign decided to pay the bribes to cover up uh, the uh, adultery. And he decided to use uh, your me. So if you uh, contributed uh, to Senator John Ensign, the good Christian, the conservative Republican, and I like him, to tell you the truth. And it's actually I like his staff members uh, more than I do uh, John Ensign. I don't like the fact that you know, here we go again. Here's another conservative. Here's a guy that should be in the Senate. And uh, he can't uh, help but walk on his foreskin, like the uh, Republican governor, you know, who says he's off walking in the mountains, and you find him at a resort with, uh, you know, a female. All these guys are married. They got children. Nothing seems in what uh, Senator Ensign says uh, today is, uh, quote, uh, I will not seek re-election, uh, the most difficult decision that I have ever made in my life, and he said this afternoon, uh, at this point in my life, I have to put my family first. You know, if Ensign would have put his family first when all this uh, business with Cynthia Hampton started, and then Cynthia and Dougie uh, start to bribe him if he put his family first. None of these things. If you're going to give away taxpayers' money, if you're going to illegally use funds, and the Senate Ethics Committee has an ongoing investigation about him, and like I've said he's not the only one. You got uh, old Senator uh, K. Let's see, uh, and uh, who's from uh, Texas? You got Alaska Senator John Kyle. There are currently 53 senators who caucus with the Democratic Party. That means you know you've got. Uh, well, no matter what they are, independents or Republican Democrats, there's 53 of them that uh, sit down, uh, kind of like Obama didn't have a beer with the guy, the policeman he calls Stoop, and uh, they vote together, which gives the Democrats a three-party majority. And the Democrats are defending this coming year in 2012. They'll be defending 23 Senate seats, while the Republicans will be defending 10. So the Republicans, every two years, all of the House of Representatives are real. So let's say that the Republicans maintain their majority in the House of Representatives. If they can take some away uh, from the Democrats, they only need uh, to hold what they have. 
But look at all these people who are uh, not running for election. And when you look at the fact that the reason they're not running for re-election are moral issues, it's a little bit tough for somebody to step in. Let's say here in Nevada, where we have a lot of conservatives, but uh, you've got a person that steps in and says, I'm going to run uh, for the United States Senate, uh, since Ensign is not. And here, uh, the last guy, the guy you're taking, uh, you're looking to take the office, uh, was let go, the Republican, for despicable, not just uh, adultery, but the crimes of of spending money to pay bribes. <laughs> so it's not going to be easy. Anyway, it would at least be, uh, I think, a way of balancing America if you have, because uh, this is the way it's been. It was for 50 years a Republican a Congress, even though we, I see it, Republican. It was a Democratic, a liberal Congress. And, uh, you know, back in the time of Ronald Reagan, they said this is why they had to do uh, illegal operations, like Ollie North got up and confessed and said, uh, we were just, uh, we lied to the U.S. Congress. I lied under oath to God. Uh, just to try to cover up a covert operation. Uh, that's We were just trying, you know, to do uh, shadow warfare. We have a shadow government, Oliver said. And so we have a liberal Congress for 50 years. The Republican excuse then for uh, looking the other way or, uh, you know, just let's just be uh, very out front with it. The drugs that came... Uh, like a tsunami crashing in uh, back when Daddy Bush was head of the CIA, Emmanuel Noriega was on the payroll making a quarter million dollars a year CIA money just for being there. And we had Operation Watchtower with all the cocaine flowing in through the CIA. And the excuse, well, uh, we've got to be able to conduct uh, these covert operations, uh, and Congress won't give us the money, so uh, we have to get it other ways. Well, not by breaking the law. I mean, it's to me, it's a strange thing. And uh, I think what Ollie North may have, and I hope that uh, we all got the lesson, your loyalty is not primarily to your boss. Your loyalty must be primarily to the Constitution, to the law, because it didn't work in Nuremberg, where all the good uh, Nazis uh, said, well, we were just following orders. It wasn't good enough. And so uh, we need to choose people. And when you look at John Ensign, in all truth, he has all the credential that you want to see uh, in a U.S. senator, except for the sexual adultery and even more so the uh, stealing and misuse of funds. I really am. I wrote uh, Ensign a letter today 
and uh, I really am uh, sorry that he will not uh, be run. Uh, I'm sorry that he got himself in trouble. I think that he let down uh, many, many people in the great state of Nevada when he chose uh, to have uh, this affair with Cynthia Hampton and then chose to pay off Doug and Cynthia these bribes. So now his uh, family must come first. Well, I'm glad to see it, very frankly. Let me give you a, uh, a story that you just need to hear. I'm not going to dwell on it, but uh, you need to hear it because uh, we old guys sit around and talk about how America uh, seems to be going to the dogs. But, you know, my grandfather was uh, talking like that. I remember when I was just a little kid. I'm going to just read you. Uh, this uh, story that is out of Cleveland, Texas today, there are, this is what the defense attorney, James Evans from Cleveland, Texas, said today. He said, I don't know the exact number of people involved. I've heard the number 28. 28 gang members, men and boys, are being charged in Texas with raping a girl who is under 14. Now, can you even imagine? And one man, and I'll give you uh, some of the names uh, today, for example, uh, Jamarcus Knapper, 18, appeared in the 73rd District Court. Uh, Jared McPherson, 18. Kelvin King, 21. Marcus Porchia, 26. Isaiah Ross, 21. All appeared before the judge on these charges of rape of this girl who is younger than 14. And one of the men charged said uh, to the judge, well, uh, your honor, uh, the girl uh, was actually, uh, you know, sort of participating. Twenty-eight people, and uh, she, this guy says that it appeared that she was uh, participating. Well, what do you think a girl under 14 is going to do when a staggering number of uh, uh, people that I, I'm not their judge, but God knows all, and if they are guilty, they should burn in hell. I, I don't know what's happened to America, but I do know this. A girl under 14, I don't care what state she is, does not have the authority or the lawful ability to say yes to men who intend to have sex with her. And I'm ashamed of the great state of Texas. You know, where is Roy Bean when you need him? 
Cleveland is just north of Houston. Where is the hanging judge? Because, boy, where is Clint Eastwood with hang him high? Because that's what, uh, to me, needs to be done. There's the current case up was involved with directly where a uh, man uh, raped a, a woman who was mentally under 16. And uh, it's been a a year, I guess it'll be more before anybody decides what's happened to our justice. All right, guys, we're going to have to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, uh, there's just a lot of news. You need something to be with. I'll see you here in just a few minutes. survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our food, time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L A N S E T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this value. 
high-value commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR 2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR 2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choice. Lone Star State, 
I know uh, a number of people from Texas. I won't let them handle uh, my locksmithing tools because almost every Texan I've known and trying to pick a lock, it's like uh, they're trying to bust a nut off of a semi-trailer truck. Uh, and they, But I've known a lot of people that have a great deal of honor. Uh, some of my people come from uh, Texas. And uh, I just, I can't imagine this happening, this many, in this little uh, Cleveland. Have you ever heard? Yeah, everybody's heard of Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, Texas. And uh, I, uh, as I had mentioned, uh, just so that you you see a little uh, more how this thing goes, it's been almost a year but there was a young man that I knew uh, who was just a boy uh, here. Uh, you know, when I, I've been out here in the same place for 28 years. And so I had known that these guys came, uh, uh, and he, you know, he was just a, a child, like four or five years old. Uh, he grew up uh, here in Sandy Valley. He uh, got himself uh, qualified as a, uh, a finisher. Uh, he's a carpenter. He works extremely well in wood and uh, building cabinets. And he works uh, out of the union. He gets paid like $28, $30 an hour. And he does a really good job. Now, uh, he got married. Uh, the woman, his wife, had two children from a previous marriage. He accepted them as his son and daughter. Always seemed like uh, a very good young man. And then his wife is uh, working, cleaning a house uh, here in my little township. And uh, this a girl who is mentally under 16, uh, even though uh, chronologically she is like 24, but everybody knows her. She uh, might be, I would think, atop of the rung uh, in her ability, uh, like a greeter maybe, where everything is pretty fixed and don't add others not an ability to do a lot of reading or mathematical uh, equations. But this guy rapes this girl, and uh, she, that was on Friday, and on Sunday she tells her sister, who tells her dad, uh, who calls the police. Uh, they have about eight units that respond, including an armored vehicle, helicopters, SWAT team, special entry and, and search team, detectives. Uh, they are going to take this guy down. And, you know, I'm a pretty good judge of uh, the reason I'm still alive is because of my skin feelings. And I could tell that. I, uh, the wife called me because the police had her, were holding her, 
I guess thinking maybe she would somehow communicate with him. But uh, very interesting in the way that fate uh, puts a hand to this. Uh, first of all, I think that if you are unjust in your soul, then even though it may seem like you're pulling a Charlie Sheen and winning, you're not. You're going to lose. You're going to lose big time. And so uh, while the detectives, while they were ambushing on almost every corner, uh, they wouldn't tell me what this was all about. I, uh, Where the police had this lady, I, it was hot. Uh, back then, it was uh, May, last May. And so I explained to the police sergeant, you can't keep these women in the police car. <laughs> you know, you've got to, let's go over to the community center where they got trees. And, you know, we can all sit around. You've got bathroom facilities. So it, uh, they agreed to. And there, the detectives, I said, what are you looking for? Uh, maybe I can help you. Well, they told me they were looking for... Uh, this individual, Danny, and uh, I said, you know, it may take me five minutes, but uh, don't go in any place. And in about five minutes, uh, I knew where he was. I talked to him. I told him his, uh, he knew what was going on. He had fled. He had taken a fairly large amount of money that they had saved up, and he had split. And I told him, you got to come back, Danny. Your family is uh, basically under house arrest, and uh, you need to come back. And so I arranged to meet him and escort him where uh, the cops wouldn't uh, kill him. And it all worked out. Now, in thinking, because uh, this rape, uh, he was ended up being charged with six felonies, including kidnapping and taking advantage of a mentally deficient person. So with six felonies, he's in jail. And you know what's going to happen to him. Look at O.J. Simpson. Once he is tried criminally, regardless of what happens, his family, and rightfully so, should sue him and as a carpenter, he owns properties in Utah and Nevada and a home and a, a big uh, truck and all kinds of stuff. So he's uh, worth uh, many times more than the family who lived next door to him, uh, whose daughter that he admitted to me that he had raped. Even though he said, well, it was kind of consensual. But here's my point. An 11-year-old, a mentally uh, deficient person, they they don't, they cannot, they are not held responsible for making the right decisions. And many times they are so intimidated that they are going to go along. Now, uh, thinking, because I cared about this young man, even though... He had committed a terrible crime, and I had I got him a lawyer because I wanted to see his rights protected. It occurred to me that uh, if 
the wife would divorce him, that half the property could then go to her, and no matter what happens to him, when he is sued, there will at least be some property that the two of them, because I, in counseling with her, she finally agreed, even though she was madder than a wet hen and should have been, when all this came out, uh, she agreed to reconcile and try to get on with their promises to God and to each other. And it would have worked. But the guy went berserk in jail. He is... Uh, He's completely uh, beside himself. He's done every rotten thing that you can imagine uh, to hurt his wife. She has divorced him. But it's as if this guy's lost all reason. And so I'm talking to you because if you have young children or if you know anyone that you know kind of fits into this that may have been a perpetrator, the fact is, is that, uh, or if you get caught in a situation like this, realize that these mentally deficient people, these young people, like 11 years old, you can't come up with an excuse and say that, well, uh, she uh, was a willing participant. It doesn't happen. And the jury is going to cut you up in little bitty pieces. And do you know, it, in the case of this uh, young man, Danny, he uh, and she, because there was a preliminary hearing where basically the government's case has to be made, uh, admitted that uh, it may have been three minutes that the sex act lasted. And look what it does. And so I beg you, uh, it says that in the Bible that uh, if you will put your mind to God, the devil will flee from you. Uh, be careful. Don't uh, These good people like Ensign, these good people like uh, you know, the Republican governors and other senators, for some reason it seems like the devil seems to be uh, focusing on so-called good people, doesn't it? <laughs> so be careful. Uh, there's, You're going to see more of this, I think, uh, as time goes on. Anyway, uh, it's, it's an emergency. I think it is something that we should uh, talk to our elected officials about. Obama has given $15 million aid to Libya. Now, my gosh, uh, just here is one thing that how can we talk about the country being economically strapped? We are uh, about ready to shut down the government. And uh, Obama says, where do you think that $15 million goes in Libya now? Pretty interesting, wouldn't you say? All right. Anyway, White House also says that it is possible that America is going to send troops to Libya. This is just what we need, isn't it? 
now, the force I've given you. Uh, Libya is a member of OPEC, and Muammar Gaddafi, of course, was settled uh, okay uh, with the American dollar and uh, one thing and the other. But America, a lot of people are going to be pressuring. These are oil people pressuring Libya, pressuring the United States to put troops in Libya so that we can secure uh, our oil. Now, in talking about that, gasoline is up 34 cents. You know this. It is up to $106 a barrel. And in California, where people, I guess, are supposed to make more money, even though they're further in debt than anybody else, it's $4.50 a gallon in California gasoline right now. And gold has set a new record. Gosh, remember I'm telling you all about calling uh, (laughs) 1-800-BUY-COIN if we would have. Now, I don't have any money, but there was a time, you know, when gold was $240 an ounce, and uh, there was a time when I did have some jingles in my pocket. And so I had, uh, you know, I was focusing on buying gold. I lost all of that, but... Gold is at a record now, $1,434.50. That's a record. (laughs) So uh, are you now going to say, well, gosh, uh, now gold is so high, I have a feeling. You see, uh, and you don't have to be even an, an intelligence officer. You don't have to be a seer, a prophet. What is happening to the American dollar? Is the American dollar going to get stronger with everything that's going on? Or is the dollar likely to begin to continue to shrink? Well, if it is, gold is going to continue to go up. doesn't mean I have any gold. But uh, if you do have money uh, to burn <laughs> or... Uh, rather than putting it in a CD or something like that, you know, where it doesn't uh, grow at all, then you might want to uh, call and talk to some of these people that are experts about gold. Now, let me give you a warning. I'll just read you the story real quick because it's uh, more complete uh, than if I were to just try to word through it. The possible discovery of salmonella as reduced fat peanut butter spreads. This is, uh, they have a recall now with Skippy. I like Skippy. And so Skippy, extra chunky, and reduced fat, uh, creamy. See, those are both the, the, one, the extra chunky is what I love. But in 16 states, they've had a recall because of this salmonella, uh, which salmonella is a bacterial infection that usually lasts for about seven days, and there are about 40,000 cases right now reported each year 
according to the Center for Disease Control. Now, the states, the recall applies to uh, reduced fat, creamy, that's without chunks, uh, reduced fat, super chunk, which is what I love. And it's in Arkansas, Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Iowa, Maine, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, North Dakota, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin. So uh, the recall products are sold in a 16.3-ounce plastic jar, and uh, uh, be careful uh, with your Skippy peanut butter. You don't want to get salmonella, that's for sure. All right, now let me uh, run through some things that I believe you would consider uh, to be important. There's about 400,000 people that have fled Libya. And uh, amazingly, uh, a lot of them, uh, probably a majority of the 400,000, were Egyptians. And they have uh, been successfully moved from Libya back to Egypt. Now, those that are left are primarily from Bangladesh. Bangladesh is an Islamic government, uh, which uh, if it borders, I mean, sometimes it's kind of amazing to realize where these countries are. Uh, Bangladesh used to be part of India, and then when Gandhi uh, did what he did and forced the British out of India, you know Pakistan, because Pakistan's our big buds right now. Well, not really, (laughs) but uh, they appear to support America in Afghanistan. Pakistan, Afghanistan share a border. Well, the other Muslim state that broke away from India is Bangladesh and uh, Dhaka. (laughs) Boy, I almost couldn't remember the capital. I've been there. You don't want to go. Uh, Too many people, too much feces. Stay away from Bangladesh. That's a loving order. Anyway, uh, it it shares a border uh, with Burma. Can you imagine? I mean, you'd think that nobody would share a border with Burma. I want to uh, give you some emergency phone calls. Now, this came to me through a fax, and I love it. Uh, these are more effective than 911. It says, when you're sad, phone John 14. When you send, Senator Ensign, uh, phone Psalm 51. When you're facing danger, and this is the soldier's psalm, you phone Psalm 91. Read that one, will you? And if people have failed you, you phone Psalm 27. It feels as though God is far from you. I've been there, friends. 
serious been there. It's Psalm 139. Your faith needs stimulation. Hebrews 11. You're alone and scared. Psalm 23. You know that one. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are worried. Matthew 8, 19. You're hurt and critical. Phone, 1 Corinthians 13. You wonder about Christianity. Phone, 2 Corinthians 5, 15. You feel like an outcast. Phone, phone Romans 8, 31. You're seeking peace, you phone Matthew eleven twenty five. It feels as if the world is bigger than God, phone Psalm ninety. You need Christ like insurance. Phone Romans eight one. You're leaving home for a trip. Twenty one Psalm one twenty one. You're praying for yourself, Psalm eighty seven. You require courage for a task, Joshua 1. You lose faith in mankind. Maybe I should take my own advice here. Phone 1 Corinthians 13. It looks like people are unfriendly, phone John 15. You're losing hope, Psalm 126. You feel the world is small compared to you. Psalm 19, usually it doesn't happen. You want to carry uh, Paul's, let me give you this, Paul's secret for happiness. Phone Colossians 3.12. Now, there's all kind of alternate numbers. Psalm 47 for fear, uh, for assurance, Mark 8.35. And uh, these work 24 hours a day. So think about uh, what you believe that you're willing to do in order to uh, stop the bloodshed of American soldiers. Very frankly, I know about Afghanistan. I don't care about Afghanistan. With 8,400 tons of dope, it's not worth the bloodshed to protect it. So make these. Let's get our boys home and our young women. Let's get out of Islam. Give it to them. I've been from Saudi Arabia to Indonesia, all these countries. Not one of them is worth a single stake of the United States. All right, God bless you. Stay with American Voice Radio. Prayerfully see you tomorrow. Remember, both these 100 men will network double the choices. But only three When the green parade Train to live Off nature's land Get our Trained in combat And a hand Men who fight By night and day Courage takes From the green parade Silver Oh,
Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Welcome to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, Amroy Ben Shadler, Constitutional Counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is Monday, March 9th, 2015. It is the 3 o'clock hour out here on the left coast. If you're listening in some other time zone, obviously you're to just accordingly. Oh, by the way, that's it's 3 o'clock Pacific Daylight Time. Now, I had a heck of a lot of fun. Speaking of daylight time and standard time, I had a heck of a lot of fun on my on my Facebook feed. I posted a little things uh, on f- Saturday saying, don't forget to set your clocks back an hour tonight. And a whole bunch of people say, did you mean forward? And I said, shh, I'm trolling for idiots. And that got uh, a bit of a comment. Nice. That was rather nice. Anyway, gang, where was I? Oh, yes. This is a lock call-in show. Calling in is not necessary. Thank you, however, is. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. You go to www.theamericanvoice.com. You find the appropriate number for your situation and use it. Or you may send a Yahoo instant message directly to your host, KC7AQK is the call letters and the 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 uh, name ID name for Yahoo Instant Messenger. It comes directly to me. As 
looking at recent history, it sure explains an awful lot. So, let's look at some two-year-old history, and then you think about what's happened during the past two years. And it will explain a lot for you. Headline, Secretary of State John Kerry reveals daughter married Iranian-American with extensive ties to Iran. Headline, March 30th, 2013. Here we have an example that demonstrates this reality further and comes via Kenneth Timmerman, who's picked up on the fact that the new, well, then new, two years old, remember, new Secretary of State John Kerry has a son-in-law with family still living in Iran. This reality could conceivably affect how Kerry deals with the Iranians via the Daily Caller. In a greeting to the Iranian people on the occasion of the traditional New Year holiday last week, the Norwaz holiday, that's an Islamic uh, celebration, okay, Secretary of State John Kerry exposed a secret that journalists and academics have been agonizing over for the past six weeks. The fact is the daughter has married an Iranian-American who has extensive family ties to Iran. Quote, I am proud, and I also served in Vietnam, I am proud of the Iranian-Americans in my own family, and I also served in Vietnam, and grateful for how they have enriched my life while I served in Vietnam. Okay, all the part about serving in Vietnam, he didn't say, but you know how he is. He, he can pr- practically can't say three words without mentioning how he served in Vietnam. Well, Kerry said that in the official statement. Kerry also said that he was, quote, strongly committed to resolving the differences between the United States and the Islamic Republic of Iran. Hmm. And how? Well, to the mutual benefit of both our people, he said. Politicians like to keep their families off limits to the press, a decorum enforced vigorously when it comes to politicians who are in favor with the national media, but ruthlessly discarded for others. But in Kerry's case, there could be much larger ramifications. Since its inception, the FBI has vetted U.S. government officials involved in national security issues, and it generally won't grant clearances to individuals who are married to nationals of an enemy nation or have family members living in that country for fear of divided loyalties or, more simply, blackmail. And that's how the Daily Caller recorded it, my friends. Wait, it was the Daily Caller, wasn't it? I already forgot. Yes, the Daily Caller. Good. My brain didn't skip a beat. Now, I happen to know and understand a little bit of this, my friends, because when I was still a young man, in other words, living with my parents, I remember the FBI making a call on my father to interview him about what he recalled about a certain person that my father served with when he was in special forces. Later, when I became an adult, much later, my father explained to me that what he was about to tell me 
would, if he was found out that he had told me, would end up with him being possibly prosecuted under federal law and serving time under military law in Fort Leavenworth, making big rocks or little rocks out of big rocks. But since so much of this crapola is just that, he was going to tell me anyway. And what he told me is that that interview was to determine whether or not this person that he had served with would be subject to, well, quite frankly, blackmail, you know, like this, like uh, the Daily Caller just talked about there, in vetting people. And that's what it was all about, to see if that was the case. So he was talking to everyone that was possibly involved in this particular person's past, including my father. Hmm. Well, we have that. So there it is. Certainly, in light of all that, even leftists can comprehend this concept without inserting race into their thought processes. Wait. That's what they do. Never mind. Imagine a scenario with which a representative of Iran's mullahs approaches the State Department with a, a list of demands that, if not met, could have serious consequences for Kerry's in-laws still living in Iran. In the current political construct, such demands could conceivably involve, well, let's say, the U.S. withholding money, weapons, or aids, earmarked for a country like, well, Egypt, as tensions in the Middle East escalate. Hmm. Remember, this article is two years old, my friends. And while that may not sound like a bad idea to those of us who understand the threat of the Muslim Brotherhood, shouldn't our Secretary of State's sole interest be in lockstep with the interests of the United States? Oh, wait. We're talking about the Department. Oh, yeah, the State Department. You know, we need, we need, before I get to this comment that's clawed up onto my screen here, um, we need an uh, ambassador, if you will, for the United States to the State Department. You know, we really do, because the State Department, so often as illustrated by this very fact of what the heck is going on here, shows that it's not in lockstep with the interests of the United States. Now, what do we have? Um, da, 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 da. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. As I quoted last week, uh, I'm getting it tweeted back to me here. Tw not tw an actual tweet, but a message back to me. Sorry. I finally realized for a second there that tweet has a different meaning there say about that uh what i quoted last week on the show quote i'm an iranian by birth and of my islamic faith i am also an american citizen and i see seek to help change america to be a more islamic country my faith guides me and i feel like it's going well in the transition of using freedom of religion in america against itself end quote valerie jarrett the stanford university in 1977 and she is the most influential and closest Obama advisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. So it, we have, like I say, think about this report from two years ago. Now think about us two years and what's happened since then. And all of a sudden, you should be having a, oh, I get it moment. 
Yeah. Okay. Let's switch gears. Headline. A U.S. citizen is 58 times more likely to be killed by a police officer than a terrorist. Hmm. Wow. That's a rather inflammatory headline. Let's find out why. Jay Sorfalus, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, comes to this conclusion, shall we? He writes and says, most people have seen the number floating around social media that suggests that citizens are eight times more likely to be killed by a police officer than a terrorist, but new data revisions suggest this number was dramatically underestimated. The lack of accurate official record being kept in the important category of individuals killed by police was met with numerous efforts by citizens. One example in particular was www.killedbypolice.net, and this site is used to more accurately track the number of people killed by cops yearly. Previously, estimates of citizens killed by police were based on the self-reported data supplied by police departments, compiled into a yearly FBI uniform crime report for, quote, justifiable homicides, end quote, by officers. Well, this information drastically underrepresented the number of people being killed at the hands of police officers, thus giving an unclear perspective of what is actually transpiring on the streets of America. New data as reported by The Guardian, suggests that an average of 545 people killed by police went accounted for yearly on average in the FBI data. This revised estimate puts the annual number of people killed by cops at an average 928 per year over the past eight years, and that is a conservative estimate. This information contrasted with the 461 reported killed by police in the FBI for 2013 is a difference of almost 450 killings, or nearly 50%. When looking at terrorism, the U.S. Department of State reports that only 16 non-military U.S. citizens were killed worldwide as a result of terrorism in 2013, the most recent year data there was available on that kind of data. What this means is that a U.S. citizen is actually 58 times more likely to be killed by a police officer than by a terrorist. Let that sink in for a moment. Yeah, you're almost, almost 60 times, almost, more likely to have a police officer kill you than to be killed by a terrorist. Now, while civil liberties are being rolled back in the name of keeping us safe from terror, under the auspices of, well, you know, the Patriot Act, the NDAA, well, the true threat to American freedoms lies not in some imaginary foreign boogeyman, but rather here in our own streets. See, the Blue Mafia is a much, much more dangerous enemy to the life, liberty, and freedom of every U.S. citizen than the Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, or all other terror groups combined. 
the genuine threat to America comes not from without, outside, but from within. Now, having concluded the article, do I think that al-Qaeda, Islamic State, Islam, etc., should be ignored? Oh, no, 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 no. I do not think that at all. I'm just saying for your own personal day-to-day lives, as you're going about your business, who is more of a threat to your life, liberty, and property? Oh, yes, and I'm being told here, and that's, that's, yeah, it's true. You're 50 times safer around a cop than staying overnight in a hospital. (laughs) Yeah, it's when you compare the number of people that die at the hands of doctors, yes, this is true. All things have perspective, okay? That's all I'm saying. And why I'm saying this is because I am reminded of H.L. Mencken, who said that the easiest way to keep the people, the populace alarmed, is by giving them an endless series of hobgoblins that they can then become frightened of. Now, that's not an exact quote, but you get the idea of where he's going, okay? And that's exactly what I'm trying to point out. Okay. Yeah, we got enough time here. These statistics will bust concealed carry myths forever. Here we go. There's too many misconceptions out there about carrying concealed handguns for protection. Speaking of protection and police, right? People are saying things about handguns and those who own them that are simply not true. So, here we go. Let's spread the truth about some of the myths about people who own firearms for protection. Myth number one, the only people who carry concealed are old guys who live out in the sticks. Well, There's that stereotype out there that the only people with guns in America are old conservative white guys in rural America. The media does a pretty good job of portraying gun owners as thoughtless conservatives who love nothing more than firing at anything that moves. Well, the truth is much different. Recent surveys have shown increasing numbers of women that own guns. The number of women who go hunting has increased 85% 85% since 2001, and the number of female target shooters has increased 60%. Not only are there increasing number of women gun owners, but they're safe and certified, as in certified safe, that is, not sane. I know I heard someone out there saying that. Anyway, according to the National Shooting Sports Federation, 73% of female gun owners have taken at least one firearms training class, and 43% of them go target shooting at least once a month. And certified firearms instructors are reporting big increases in the numbers of not only women, but also minorities who are attending their classes. Urban areas, such as Detroit, for example, are seeing an uptick in registered gun ownership as well. The increase in law-abiding citizens in urban areas like Detroit Firearms has resulted, imagine this, in a decrease in incidents like robbery, carjacking, and break-ins. Who would have thunk? Myth number two. Uh, I'll, get, I'll try and get through it. Myth number two. Concealed carry will turn America into the Wild West. Well, there's this idea out there. 
that increases in citizens carrying concealed will result in shootouts in the street. You know, the blood flowing, road rage killings, you know, and more crime in general. Detroit isn't the only major city that's experiencing lower crime rates in relation to increases in concealed carry permit holes. For example, Chicago Police Department statistics from 2014 reported decline both drives and motor vehicle thefts. And as of July 2014, Illinois has received over 80,000 concealed carry permits applications. And last year was yet another a decade-long trend of decreasing crime rate in most major U.S. cities. You know, murder rates in Philadelphia, Chicago, and Dallas, just to name a few, have all been returning to rates not seen since the 1970s. Now, criminologists are careful to report that it's impossible to say exactly what factors contribute to the drop, as it could be a combination of a few elements. We like to think that the rise from around 2.7 million CLT permits in 2007 to 11 million in 2014 have a little something to do with. And we have another instant message here. Uh, oh, yes, that's obviously all just a big coincidence. Of course it is. Well, the truth is that more and more people in America are choosing to arm themselves with a concealed handgun. People from many different geographic areas, social backgrounds, races and ages are deciding to take personal safety into their own hands. This doesn't mean that they're using the guns for nefarious purposes. Largely, they obey the laws of the state and country in which they live. They attend certification classes and hold legal permits to own and carry firearms. Conclusion, the best way to continue to prove these myths incorrect is to continue to be and influence younger generations to be responsible, safe, and practice gun owners. Practice regularly. There you go. You're listening to the Constitutional Christian Show on the American Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in surf, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Team at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. Call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-1188. Protect yourself and your family.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial wave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm talking fast because I have so much to tell you about and so little time to tell you. So I'm going to give you a little warning, my friends. The rest of the show is practically will practically be all Hitlery news. So get yourself some Pepto or whatever you use to keep nausea from making you vomit and bear with me. Let's get started from the illustrious New York Times. We read the headline, Hillary Clinton used personal email account at State Department, comma, possibly breaking rules. Possibly breaking rules? Oh, really? Oh, well, let's investigate, shall we? Dateline, Washington. Hillary Rodham Clinton exclusively used a personal email account to conduct government business as Secretary of State, State Department officials said, and may have and may have violated federal regulations that officials' correspondence be retained. A very important word. Do not lose that word from your consciousness as I go over these stories for probably the next hour here, and that they be retained as part of the agency's record. Mrs. Clinton did not have a government email address during her four-year tenure at the State Department. Her aides took no actions to have her personal emails preserved on department servers at the time, as required by the Federal Records Act. Well, the article goes on and on and on, trying their damnedest to do what a cat does in a litter box. 
and you can read the whole assorted mess at this link that I have here. But I've given you enough to now wet the palate here for the rest of the news about Hitlery. And here we go. Goldmine. Hillary Clinton's brother granted super rare mining permits from Haiti after State Department sent country billions. Yeah, you see, were these things included in emails? Oh, no, they weren't. So, Hillary Rotten Clinton's brother, Tony Rodham. Oh, we got another instant message here. What do we got here? Um... Yes, this is true. They're only allowed to use personal emails for business in an emergency, and it has to be sort of like a nuclear winter emergency, that level of emergency. And then they are to uh, turn it over. See, it's back to that word retained. More on that. So keep that word in your brain. It's a very important word, okay? So where was I? Oh, yes. Hillary Rodham's Clinton's brother, Tony Rodham, sat on the board of a self-described mining company that in 2012 received only one of only two, quote, gold exploitation permits, end quote, from the Haitian government, the first issued in over 50 years. The tiny North Carolina company, VCS Mining, also included on its board Bill Clinton's co-chair of the Interim Haiti Recovery Commission, you know, the IHRC, and former Prime Minister Jean-Marc Belrive. The Rodham Gold Mine revelation is just one of dozens featured in a forthcoming bombshell investigative book by three-time New York Times best-selling author Peter Schweitzer, according to a Thursday statement from publishing giant HarperCollins. The publisher says the book, Clinton Cash, the untold story of how and why foreign governments and businesses helped make Bill and Hillary rich. I know, that's a Huge, long title, but it's accurate. So let me say the title of the book again so you can write it down and go looking for it. Clinton Cash, colon, The Untold Story of How and Why Foreign Governments and Businesses Helped Make Bill and Hillary Rich. And that story is the culmination of an exhaustive one-year deep dive investigation into the nexus between the Clintons' $100 million plus personal wealth. That's net worth, my friends. Remember, oh, we came out of the White House dead broke. Yeah, $100 million plus net worth, my friends. Well, the Clinton Foundation is in addition to that, and the decisions Hillary made as Secretary of State that benefited foreign donors, governments, and companies. VCS's coveted gold mining exploitation permit was apparently such a sweetheart deal that it outraged the Haitian Senate, since royalties to be paid to the Haitian government were only 2.5% a sum mining experts say is at least half the standard rate. Moreover, 
the mining project in Mornbosa came with a generous ability to renew the project for up to 25 years. That's unprecedented, my friends. Nevertheless, the fledgling company proudly touted its luck in landing the deal. Its luck in landing the deal. Yeah, quote, this is one of two permits issued today. The first permit of their kind issued in over five decades reads the only press release under VCS's news tab on its scant website. Well, according to USAID, $3.1 billion have been dispersed since the 2010 Haiti earthquake. The Clinton cash book is said to contain seismic and game-changing revelations that far eclipse anything presently reported in the Clinton Foundation's violation of his agreement not to accept foreign government money during Hillary's tenure as Secretary of State. Well, in 2011, Schweitzer's book, Throw Them All Out, exposed insider trading by members of Congress and became the subject of an award-winning CBS 60-minute story and, quote, started the Stock Act campaign. Now, what did Stock as Act mean? S-T-O-K? Stop trading on congressional knowledge. And that's according to Slate Magazine. The book did that. And they concluded by saying, Best-selling author Peter Schweitzer coins a new term to describe the unique way in which Bill and Hillary tend to mingle their political, personal, and philanthropic interests in the Clinton blur. Harper Collins editor Adam Bellow said Schweitzer's scrupulously sourced and exhaustively researched book raises serious questions about the sources of the Clintons' sudden wealth, their ethical judgment, and Hillary's fitness for high public office. The book is set to hit the bookshelves nationwide May 5th, my friends. Something to look forward. Now, more Hitlery news. Like I said, I'm going to have a lot of it, so here we go. The hits just keep on coming. Here we go. Hillary wasn't just using private email. She was running an entire private email server out of her home. Remember I told you about that word that you need to keep in mind? What was it? Retained? Mm-hmm. As Robert Lorry writes, saying, as reported yesterday, this is Mark Dateline, March 4th, as reported yesterday, Hillary Clinton has been exposed for using private email accounts to conduct federal business during her accomplishment-free tenure as Secretary of State. Yes, that's an important thing to make note of. Her entire tenure as Secretary of State was accomplishment-free. So what the hell did we pay her for? Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yes, well, it's not terribly unusual for federal officials to do this occasionally. Hillary did it exclusively. All of her business was conducted from her own special above-the-law account, and that's just the beginning. According to the White House, none of this is a big deal, as long as the State Department received complete backups of those communications. Of course, that's completely ridiculous, because 
We're talking about the Clintons. Is anyone anywhere stupid enough to believe that Hillary would turn over unscrubbed archives of her correspondence? Are you really supposed to think that, of all people, the Clintons would abide by the honor system and not spend two years deleting anything that might look Hillary look bad? Well, this gets even worse. When you learn that Hillary wasn't simply using her own email address, she was using her own set of homebrew email servers, which the Clintons maintained in their Chappaqua, New York home. As the AP reported, the computer server that transmitted and received Hillary Rodham Clinton's emails on a private email account she used exclusively for official business when she was Secretary of State, traced back to an Internet service registered to her family home in Chappaqua, New York, according to Internet records reviewed by the AP. The highly unusual practice of a cabinet-level official physically running her own email would have given Clinton, the presumptive Democrat presidential candidate, impressive control over limiting access to her message archives. It would also distinguish Clinton's secretive email practices as far as more sophisticated than some politicians, including Mitt Romney and Sarah Palin, who were caught conducting official business using free email services operated by Microsoft Corp. and Yahoo Inc. Most Internet users rely on professional outside companies, such as Google Inc., or their own employers, for the behind-the-scenes complexities of managing their email communications. Government employees generally use servers run by federal agencies where they work. In most cases, the AP concludes, individuals who operate their own email servers are technically experts or users so concerned about issues of privacy and surveillance they take matters into their own hands. It was not immediately clear exactly where Clinton ran that computer system. Now, Remember when Lois Lerner said that her hard drives had been destroyed? Oh, we have an instant message here. I almost missed it. What do we have here? Um, running your own email server allows you to send and receive emails and then have them deleted immediately. Yes, yes, exactly. See, I told you there's a certain word, a certain word you need to keep firmly planted in your brain. That word, retain. I'm going to get to it, my friends, why that word is so important. Trust me, I am going to get to it, so bear with me. Okay, now where was I? Oh, yes, Lois Lerner. And remember, she said her hard drives had been destroyed, and therefore all of her email had been lost. And the immediate response was, all the email should still exist on the servers. Well, Hillary, it seems, didn't want to have to deal with that little snafu. If she controls the servers, she can control what's kept, what's deleted, what's archived, and precisely which backups are turned over to the State Department. And here you go, my friends. She gets to determine what's retained. Are you beginning to get the picture, my friends? By running her own server, Hitlery granted herself near 
complete control over the record of her official State Department interactions. Hitler's people are arguing that since she was emailing other federal officials, records of those interactions still exist at the recipient's end. And they're right. If the people receiving her messages chose to follow the rules and were using their federal accounts, unfortunately, Gawker reports that there's a big hole in Hitler's story. At least two of her top staffers were also using the private Clinton system. Here's what Gawker had to say. Hillary Clinton is defending her use of private email address hosted at ClintonEmail.com to conduct official State Department business by claiming that her emails were captured by officials at state.gov accounts that other agency employees were instructed to use to contact her. But, according to a knowledgeable source, at least two other top clients have also used private email accounts to conduct government business, placing their official communications outside the scope of federal record regulations. Now, I got more from Gawker, but another instant message. What about here? And what if she is making back-channel deals with governments? You get the idea. You get the idea, you see. Why do you think I started out with the story about Carrie, okay? And started out with the story about the gold mining operation. You, you see, I want you to connect the dots here, my friends, okay? So hopefully you're, you're taking lots of Pepto. Anyway, back to Gawker. Quote, her Top staffers used those Clinton email addresses at the agency, said the source, who has worked with Clinton in the past. The source named two staffers in particular, Philip Raines and <clears throat> surprise, 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 Huma Abidin, whom I've reported extensively on this show in the past. If you don't know who Huma Abedin is, you need to find out, friends. Go to the archives of this show and find out who she is, okay? So these two specifically are said to have used the private email addresses in the course of their agency duties. Reigns served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of State and Abendon as Clinton's Deputy Chief of Staff. And both rank among Clinton's most loyal confidants in and out of the State Department, end quote. That's what the Gawker had to say. So, at the very least, those closest to Hitler, those who were most likely to be discussing her secrets, have been operating under the same umbrella of protection that she created for herself. There's no way to know what they were talking about. And thanks to the delete key, it's entirely possible that there never will be so much for transparency. Oh, let's see what else we got here. Um, and Huma is the daughter of the head and founder of the Muslim Sisterhood. Yes, exactly. So Someone's remembering. Okay, there you go. But it's more than that. It's more than that, but that's, that's a really good place to start. Okay, given that other federal officials had to see Hitler's private Clinton address in the header, but did nothing to rein her in. Why should we assume 
that the <clears throat> private server practice isn't common. Either the State Department didn't care about the transgression, or they just got it, if you will. To be blunt, if you feel like a culture of secrecy has developed among top-level officials, and the use of clandestine accounts is so pervasive that they all write it off as no big deal, at least until one of them gets caught. Now, oh boy, instant message is just flying in here. What have we got here? Yes, 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 and um, uh, yes, right, right. Uh, uh, Obama admits that he emailed her back and forth, but he didn't know, and Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton didn't inhale. Yes, exactly, right. Okay, to conclude, like I said, at least until one of them gets caught. Now, as always, we're shocked to find that the not-at-all-sleazy-and-corrupt Clintons are embroiled in an ethics controversy. Now, in your mind, cue the scene from Casablanca, where the police official confronting Bogart says that he's shocked to find gambling going on. And just as he says he's shocked to find gambling going on, the bellhop arrives saying, here's your winnings from tonight, sir, and hands them over to him. Yeah, shocked. Shocked, I'm telling you. Here's your winnings, sir. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and he uh, you know, quietly walks away. Okay, more Hitlery news. From the Conservative Tribune, Trey Gowdy did it, delivers a huge message to Hitler. Let's see how much I can get through before the break here. In the wake of a report from the New York Times this week, that, which I shared a little bit from you earlier, that Hillary Clinton used a personal email account to conduct official business while serving as Secretary of State under President B.O., Representative Trey Gowdy has taken action to bring those emails to light. The House Select Committee on Benghazi has issued a subpoena to Clinton. Oh, by the way, I've started a hashtag campaign. If you'd like to join in the hashtag campaign, just join the hashtag campaign. It's, you know, hash mark Benghazi underscore bitch. Because we're talking about Hillary, okay? And you can then join in the hashtag campaign and see just how far this goes, okay? So anyway, I, I digress. But the House Select Committee on Benghazi has issued a subpoena to Clinton demanding that she turn over all emails sent from personal accounts related to the September 11, 2012 terrorist attack on a diplomatic compound in Benghazi, Libya, that killed four Americans, including U.S. Ambassador Christopher Stephen. Here's what Gowdy's committee had to say. The Select Committee on Benghazi today issued subpoenas for all communications of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton related to Libya and the State Department for other individuals who have information pertinent to the investigation. The committee also has issued preservation letters to Internet firms informing them of their legal obligation to protect all relevant documents. Well, Gowdy had hinted earlier on Wednesday, that such action would be forthcoming soon. 
And during an interview, the South Carolina Republican told NBC News that the committee would resort to, quote, legal recourse, end quote, to require Clinton to produce the emails. Now, there are some who will no doubt decry this action as unnecessary. In fact, we're somewhat surprised that the ranking Democrat on the committee, Elijah Cummings, who is also, by the way, <clears throat> under investigation for uh, <clears throat> fraudulent activities, but we don't want to mention that, has also issued a hasn't hasn't already issued a statement deploring yet another subpoena. But Clinton has had over two years, two years to produce these emails for public scrutiny, and instead she has failed to even reveal that she had used a private email account to conduct official State Department business, which is not surprising given that she may very well be guilty of a federal offense. Remember, my friends, how did all of this get revealed? Oh, a Russian hacker broke into her server and discovered all of them. Maybe we should be asking the Russian hacker for the emails. Hmm? You think that might be a good idea? Shows you how secure her server was. Clearly, if she had any intention of voluntarily supplying her email to Congress, she would have done so long before now. There's yet to be a report of how long the lamestream media will continue to refer to Hillary Clinton as the presumed 2016 Democrat presidential nominee, but we hope it's a time period that can be measured in days. This subpoena might just help see to that. We have an instant message here. Uh... Oh, I didn't know this. Uh, the, the Russian hacker, he's in prison in Russia or somewhere else. I just knew that a, Ru- uh, a Russian hacker had, um, had made this discovery, and that's how it all bubbled up and surfaced up, you know. So, uh, oh, yes, that's right. That was his name. Grucifer was his screen name. I'd forgotten that. Yes, right. Um, yeah. So that was his screen name. I don't think that was his real name. That was his screen name, as I recall. Okay, about two ninety seconds, maybe. Here we go. Um, okay, I'll just tell you. When we come back from the break, rather than really get started, I'll tell you what what else we're gonna do. We're gonna have the hit just keep on coming with, you know, Hillary and her great response to those who care about her email scandal. And you know what her response was? Don't you want a woman president? You know, we'll talk about that and how she made that comment. We'll also talk about uh, her tweets. Yes, her tweets who, where she says, I want the public to see my email. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about, um, oh, yes, the, a flashback. We're going to have a flashback Monday here to, you know, uh, well, last year, yeah, and the $6 billion that vanished from State Department under Hillary Clinton, we'll talk about that and where the money went, as well as other monies. And, and finally, we will conclude with the Benghazi probe, Clinton email records, and they contain huge gaps. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. So... 
Don't you go anywhere. You have a chance to go get your Pepto-Bismol. We'll be right back. Don't you go anywhere.
97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is the proper place for those police need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, Amroy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I'm doing my utmost to expose fraud, corruption, deceit, lying, and, well, retained emails to the best of my ability here, my friends. And you can, too, by simply continuing or starting, for the majority of you, starting to support this show. Um, You know, we're not NPR. We don't get money from the government. It's totally supported by advertising and and donations from people like you. And, frankly, uh, we need some more donations here, my friends. It's not cheap running a place like this. And, you know, my time, Frank's time, everyone else's time, you know, hello, hello, wake up. It's your freedom and liberty at stake. Or if you don't care, well, just continue to do nothing. And, well, we all just go away. Okay. I have been asked to remind you, especially those of you that are just joining us in this hour and all the poll ratings that I have access to say that uh, listenership uh, increases almost 50% in this hour of the show. So we have new people listening. And, well, to let you know that uh, you need to get your Pepto out or something to keep your gorge from rising. And I've been asked what I'm doing, how I can manage to not be vomiting on air today. Well, it's real simple. I just have been drinking mint and tea, and it helps me a lot. So you might want to check out something to help you because, well, it's all Hitlery news for the next half hour or so. And let's get started with the hits. Just keep on going. And as promised, Hitlery has a great response. Those who care about her email symbol, she says, don't you want a woman president? Yeah. Well, she's embroiled in that devastating news cycle where she's been accused of possible criminal activity by using a private email account for her official government correspondence. Hillary gave a much-anticipated speech to Emily's List last Tuesday night. Now, anyone hoping to hear Mrs. Clinton address the controversy head-on 
and answer the many questions surrounding the email story was sorely disappointed. As Politico points out, Clinton didn't spend a moment on the story that kept Washington, D.C. tongues wagging all day long. Nope. Instead, as the Politico points out, Hillary Clinton on Tuesday evening avoided any mention of the swirling controversies over her use of private email account while as Secretary of State and her family's foundation's foreign funding, opting instead to preview her likely campaign economic message to a sympathetic audience. Mm-hmm. Instead, Clinton focused on the group funded by Ellen Malcolm, which is dedicated to raising money for female political figures. And she said, When I look at this room, I see leaders. And my hope today is that whatever you have done, if you were in that basement with Ellen all those years ago, or if you've just discovered Emily's List and are a first-time member, that you will redouble your efforts in the next month. Now, I think I'm going to take the opportunity here, my friends, to remind you that Emily, from the Emily's List, it's not a name. It's an acronym. And I know this is going to sound horribly sexist to some of you women out there, but I'm not the one who made this acronym up. They made it up. So don't be blaming your host for being sexist or, or worse, misogynistic, because I'm not. This is their acronym, and it's for and it stands for early money is like yeast. It makes things rise. Mm-hmm. And that's what Emily's list is all about. Early money is like yeast. It makes things rise. And no, I am not making uh, the illusion that they have made, I'm not making it, they made that it's <clears throat> from women's yeast infections. Yes, they have made it, not me. So don't be blaming me, don't be blaming this network for being misogynistic or, or insensitive to women issues. No, they made it. I'm just simply telling you that they made it. And, uh, yeah, some of it I've been asked, uh, uh, is it funded by Dirty Madoff money? Some of it, yes, it is. But, you know, like 100000 out of $10,000 in cattle futures, you know, it just sort of grows. What can I say? Mm-hmm. She concluded her remarks with saying, don't you want to see more women running for mayor and governor who will put our families first? Don't you want to see more women running for Congress who will follow in the footsteps of Barbara Mikulski and champion equal pay and equal opportunity? And Well, I think it's very interesting that she should conclude her comments in such a way because I will take this opportunity to once again point out that the federal government commissioned a very large and inclusive survey, paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for this survey, and concluded that there is an income gap out there. Yes, there is. And government knows about it. Every member of Congress knows about it. 
every member of the executive administration knows about this report, yet they still refuse to tell you about it and that there is an income gap. And you know what the income gap is in the private sector? One to three cents. Yes, that's right, my friends. For every dollar a man earns it with the same qualifications, same skill set, same amount of experience, etc. For every dollar that man earns, the woman earns 97 to 99 cents. So there is a wage gap. So where's this 78 cent thing come from? Well, that same report pointed out exactly where it comes from. Almost universally in government positions, for every dollar a man earns, a woman with the same qualifications, same experience, same skill sets, etc., etc., earns only 78 cents. So, yeah, if we're going to talk about equal pay for equal opportunity, we need to direct it where the gap actually is, in government, because it's not in the private sector. And the government knows this. They know this. So when a politician, my friends, it's, we're coming up here on campaigning season. When a politician comes and says these words, be sure and raise your hand and say, what about the government study that said that 78 cent gap only exists in government and in the private sector the wage gap is only one to three cents and see how fast they run for the hills because they know about this my friends and don't let them tell you well I don't know about any such thing oh yes you do you're in government or you're running for government if you're in for government you're not in government then you should know about it and if you don't know about it that that qualifies you right there for running for government. And if you're in government and you say you don't know about it, that disqualifies you because now you're lying to us because you do know about it. But I digress. Prior to this appearance, Clinton has not held a press conference in over 200 days. I've commented about this, about how long it's been since she's had a press conference, and I've commented over the past 200 days how long it's been. It's now been 50 days. It's now been 100 days. It's now been 150 days. You know, I've, I've been commenting on it over the past 200 days, and now here it is. Now over 200 days. Now next week, we're not going to have another 200-day spell. Next week, that's actually this week, She's scheduled to address the women's empowerment principles in New York City. And perhaps she'll address the scandal then. Or perhaps she won't. Okay, now, <clears throat> related, and don't forget to mention that Hitler fired an ambassador for doing exactly what she is doing, for it is a federal felony, now let's get more to that word. Remember that word? Well, for those of you um, that weren't here and uh, just joining us this hour, there's a word that I've been telling everyone to remember for the past hour or so, and that word is retained, okay? A very important word. So more on the word retained 
here we go, and why it's so important. Um, okay. Hillary Clinton tweets, I want the public to see my email. Well, she doesn't. At 11.35 p.m. Eastern on the 4th, Hillary Clinton offered her first response to the email scandal that has made front-page news over the last several days, in which it was revealed that Hillary relied exclusively on personal, privately controlled email accounts to conduct business, while SOS, according to federal records rules. And she says, quote, I want the public to see my email. I asked the state to release them. They said they will review them for release as soon as possible, end quote. Well, obviously the best way to ensure that the official emails are seen by the public is to hide them on a private message server. Of course! Anyway, it's nice, I suppose, that Clinton asked the state to review and release her emails, but it's also totally beside the point. Why? The problem is that the Department of State doesn't have all her emails to begin with. And according to the New York Times, which I mentioned earlier, trusted Clinton aides recently reviewed her emails and turned over some 55,000 pages of them to the State Department of State. So at the very best, Clinton is asking State to turn over emails that her staffers have already weeded through and marked as potentially acceptable for public consumption. What we need to see are the other emails, the full batch of written electronic communications she sent and received in her professed capacity as SOS, unedited by her politically-minded staff. Now, it's incredibly hard to justify Clinton's decision to keep those emails out of public view and uncollected by federal record-keeping, and as a former director of litigation at the National Archives and Records Administration told the New York Times when the first story first broke, he said, quote, it's very difficult to conceive of a scenario short of nuclear winter where an agency would be justified in allowing its cabinet-level head officer to solely use a private email communication channel for the conduct of government business. Yet that is exactly what Clinton do, did, and you will note that there was no nuclear winter in the last six years. Now, that Clinton took the unusual and perhaps out-of-bounds steps to hide her emails only makes it more important that we now be accessible to the public. In context, her tweet suggests that contrary to her stated desire to see her emails made public and accessible, she prefers to hide many of her electronic communications from public scrutiny. What do you think, my friends? Oh, we have a message here. Maybe it's what someone thinks here. Uh, could global warming count? Oh, that doesn't count for nuclear winter. No, sorry. Sorry, try again. Uh, my friends, don't don't try this at home, you know. <laughs> I know who I'm talking to, though. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, okay. Now, throwback. Old news. And at this point, what difference does it make, you might say? But you have to ask yourself, how much of this have you heard about during the last six years from the lamestream media? Okay? Let's look at this, right? I know, this is only a year report, but how much have you heard about it in the past 12 months, okay? Six billion vanishing from State Department under Hillary. 
Let's look at the numbers. In a mind-boggling example of how the government blows or perhaps steals our tax dollars, billions vanished from the U.S. State Department, mostly while Hillary ran it, according to a new alert issued by the agency's inspector general. And remember, my friends, Hillary fired the inspector general. That was one of her first things she did. She doesn't have the authority to do it, but she did it anyway. So it took an inspector general that came along after she left to reveal all of this, okay? So could the former Secretary of State be using the cash to fund an upcoming presidential campaign? Hmm. In all, $6 billion are missing, and it's highly unlikely any of the money will be recovered. The cash was supposed to be used to pay contractors, but it just disappeared. And the documents that could help track the dough can't be located. How convenient. The paper trail, which federal law says must be maintained in case of government contracts, has been destroyed or was never created to begin with. How could this happen? Well, like a lot of government agencies, outside contracts are free for all at the State Department, with virtually no oversight. Hundreds of millions of dollars are doled out annually for a variety of services, and no one bothers to follow up on the deals. This exposes the department to significant financial risk, according to the State Department Inspector General, which issued a special management alert this month outlining the lost $6 billion. Remember, this is a year-old story, my friends. Anyway, it goes into this money and that money, this money and that money. And, you know, let me just find the one that's really, really good here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Here we go. The money that was bundled into chunks of $100 bills and transported in turboprop military cargo planes known as C-130 Hercules. About $2.4 billion fit into each aircraft, and 21 flights were made, transporting a total of $12 billion in American currency to Iraq. And more than half the money has never been recovered, according to the Special Inspector General for Iraq Reconstruction. That's just one of many things that are reported in this story, and I don't have time to scroll through it, my friends, because I want to get to this, the final thing, Benghazi probe. Clinton email contains huge gaps. Now, this is from Yahoo News, and it talks about the gaps, and a lot of this is, is um, is repeat of so many things. So I'm just going to cut to the very end here. You're going to hear a lot, if you haven't heard already, about, oh, well, other government officials did this. You know, Mitt Romney did this, and Sarah Palin did this, and Colin Powell did this, and, and so on and so on and so forth. Well, here's the thing. And this wraps up and ties a nice bow on the word retained, my friends. Former Secretary of State Colin Powell has said that he had a private email account as well, but he said he did not have emails to give to the department. Powell had this to say about the subject on ABC's This Week. He said, quote, I retained none of those emails, 
and we are working with the State Department to see if there's anything else they want to discuss with me about those emails, end quote. Well, it's important to note, Powell, while admitting what he did, he stated the difference between him and Hillary in that she retains all the emails on her private server that she could conveniently hit the delete button on. And because they were on her server, they are gone. Unlike when you or I, when we send an email through Gmail, Ymail, or Hotmail, for example, even if that email has been, quote, deleted, end quote, by you, it is still retained, as Powell put it. Not so with Hitlery. That's the difference, my friends. And of course, by her retaining it, she has the ability to destroy it. Are you getting the picture, my friends? Okay, links of interest, so I can get through some of these. Oh, crap. I was so busy doing things, I don't even know how many links of interest we have here because I didn't have a chance to go through them and, and label them. Okay, here we go. So first one on the hit parade, Scott Walker, right to work, and what's happening in that state? Wonderful story. Next one, Kane TV reporting on Nancy Pelosi's horrible distress. Oh, yes, peptic, peptic bismo uh, type distress, my friends. Next, from NASA.gov and the Goddard Space Center, how Antarctic sea ice reaches new record maximum. And, of course, it's all because of climate change, my friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Willamette Week, uh, more about our illustrious governor here in this state, and, or I should say ex-governor in this state. And if I recall this story, because I don't have a little reminder to remind me of it, I believe this is the story of him uh, being caught at a a landfill dumping a truckload of documents, and because he used a credit card that wasn't good anymore and had to have a new credit card or pay with cash, that's when the people running the, uh, the dump went, wait a second, this former Governor Kitzhopper and his girlfriend, Sylvia Hayes. So they let him dump and then immediately called the sheriff. The sheriff comes out, inspects the area, seals it off, and calls the state police state police come out they look at it and go hmm this is interesting and they call the fbi yeah so anyway very interesting and of course uh former governor dr death finds out about it the same way i found out about it by reading it in the paper okay then we have from the tattler idiot noble chairman nobel peace prize chairman who gave obama a peace prize well he receives an unprecedented demotion yes oh yeah Love it, yes. Um, then we have a, a cross-check, and this cross-check shows, this next article, 6.9 million multiple voters in 28 states. So when people talk about, oh, there is no such thing as election fraud in this country, it's so rare, we only have one or two cases. Well, watchdog.org here, they did an extensive compilation over 28 states finding 6.9 million 
multiple voters. These are people actually voting multiple times, my friends. Then from Western journalism, we have Arab commentators who are backing the Netanyahu speech to Congress. Then from the, uh, the GOP Daily Dose here, we have a video on how I felt sick after seeing what this Sharia law enforcer did to this woman on the street. It's graphic, my friends, and you might not want to watch it when there are children or those queasy of stomach around. Then we have, from the Sons of Liberty, Egypt and uh, uh, closing, closing 27,000 mosques in an effort to fight Islamic terror. Mm -hmm. Interesting story. And then we have Colorado sheriffs. Oh, this is rich, my friends. Colorado sheriffs who are opening a lawsuit saying that Colorado's marijuana legal decriminalization law forces them into a constitutional conflict. The thing is, is that they're sheriffs. They're not federal officers. So saying, well, I have an oath to the United States Constitution. Well, nowhere in the United States Constitution does it say that marijuana should be prohibited. So their, their rationale that they have a constitutional conflict is just so much hot air, my friends. Then we have a short but to the point, you know, something about Muslims that I learned over there is that a Muslim can't have a job that subjugates them to other people. This is what this one blogger says. That's why they bring in their workers from other countries to do all the menial crap. It's literally below their position, and it's the story about how I believe it's 59%. I don't have the number here. Like I said, I didn't have a chance to document this. 59% of all Muslims in Europe are on welfare of one kind or another. And then a story about more capitalism, and it's also an example of how the IRS code is created. And it's um, you know about another kind of green. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more story about our illustrious ex-governor, but it's going to be capitalism, my friends. Then uh, we have a story about a 17-year-old daughter who is an alcoholic, and, and, she, and the mother writes, because my 17-year-old daughter is an alcoholic, your 21-year-old daughter can't have a gun. What a whack argument this is, my friends. And then from Breitbart.com, we have how the media can't handle the truth that Gabby Gifford's attacker, well, he passed a background check. Mm-hmm. Then from Young Conservatives, we have a story about Michael Brown's family filing a lawsuit.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.